Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Awesome. Welcome to Money Making Conversation. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. I recognize that we all have different definitions of success. My next guest, Kevin Frazier and Michelle Turner, are back on Entertainment Tonight after being away six months remotely. I've been watching y'all on that small screen. Entertainment <laughs> Tonight is the number one entertainment news magazine on television, really the world. Four million viewers daily, and the show won its fifth Emmy Award this year. Nice. Kevin and Michelle on the show discuss being on the 40th season milestone. Wow. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, my man, Kevin Frazier, my girl, Michelle Turner. Hi, Rashawn. What's, what's, what's going what's on? Well, you know, it's, it's really cool because, uh, you know, I'm originally from Houston, Texas. Uh-huh. So uh, I can remember when entertainment came on and Mary Hart was just, it was like, a, it was like, it was something new. Now, everybody is doing some form, especially with social media, some form of entertainment. And then to see, you know, let's be honest, two African-American leads on this show. That plays a significant role in how we look at television. And when I say we are talking people of color, talk about that. Well, I was going to say that, you know, each and every day it is kind of a privilege to you look across and you look at that person and you're like, okay, we get it. And as you can see, like we spend in an inordinate amount of time together even when we're not on camera i mean (laughs) my office is right next door literally through the wall (laughs) and and nichelle's also a crazy amazing cook so she usually brings in food but um 
you know, it is, I feel so blessed and lucky to be able to look over and see someone who I can identify with so much yeah. and also someone who has no problem keeping me in check. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> Same here. Because we battle. We <laughs> battle behind yeah. the scenes, but it's all like to lift one another up and to have each other raise our games because make no mistake about it, Rashawn. I mean, you do see two people of color, you know, on this show. And as you said, like the leads of this show, I mean, Kevin officially is the host. I just kind of try to ride his coattail sometimes, but, but make no mistake about it. Like (laughs) we get the weight that that is. And as blessed as we are to be doing it, I mean, there's a weight to represent. Um, because, uh, you know, like people always say, if, if a kid can't see it, they can't believe it. So the fact that it's Kevin and myself every single day showing these young folks, these young brown and black folks, like what right. they can be and what they can aspire to. I mean, it means the world to me, the world. Kevin, Kevin just got his. See, Kevin has an assistant. <laughs> Nichelle goes and walks to the smoothie shop herself. Well, <laughs> you, you stay in shape that way. So it's all good. Kevin it's all has good. folks bringing him a whole sandwich that's toasted. This is warm. Oh, this that's is good. nice. <laughs> he is the uh, host, as you said. You said that earlier. So he's representing. He's, he's, representing. he's She got jokes. She got jokes. She got <laughs> jokes. She knows who carries the weight around here. <laughs> There's nobody in this building who will get after from, Kevin Frazier like that woman right there. That is true. Well, when you look and, at and, the, you know it's year. serious, Rashawn, when he says... Can I just tell you something? So if he says that within this interview, you know you're about to get some kind of mansplaining craziness going on. There you go. There it is. There it is. With the pandemic. Yeah. Changing the whole landscape because nobody was ready for that. I thought maybe a month, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, you know, I said my staff, they, We've been zooming still, and I, I, I purchased the building in Atlanta, but I'm I'm getting it COVID safe, so I bring my staff back in. So it's that whole mentality how you look at it. Even though you guys were a studio show, how did it really? Because when you went to the small screen, trying to make it interesting, trying to get the celebrities to come on with you, Kevin, how did that work with you? What was the most uncomfortable part of that? It was a lot because you're at home and you're shooting the show and you're shooting the show, of course, with your family walking around. Like my children at first were like, oh, daddy's doing the show. And then they were just like, my man, I, I got to leave the room again. And so it became a whole thing of kind of shooting and dodging them and yelling, everybody be quiet. But it was kind of cool because I think with celebrities and I mean, with Nichelle, too, because here's the crazy thing. At least you had a home. Right. That's what I was just about to say. (laughs) Nichelle was homeless when this first happened because her home was being finished. She just built this new house. So Mm -hmm. she was homeless. I was living in a hotel for the first two months. And and then finally moved into her house. But it was a new house. So it wasn't really all set up so getting it all set up and everything ready was a real challenge for her uh-huh. i carry around an, a crazy amount of technology with me at yeah. all times so i had cameras and stuff that i couldn't wait to use and justify using but i think it was also cool is because you got to look inside our lives yeah. i think you got to look right. inside in shell's lives and my life like oh you're at home oh you're oh that's what's behind you oh that's what's right. in your living room that's what's in your office 
Yeah, I think that it actually um, lets celebrities' guards down a little bit, being yeah. at home. And I think that we've done some of the best work, best interviews that we've ever done during this pandemic because I felt like it was easier for me to just be conversational. It's like we're all, it, it kind of levels the playing field a little bit because like we all sitting in our living room on a bad, you know, Wi-Fi connection, um, right. just all trying to make it work. And so it kind of levels the playing field. So you come into it a little bit differently than you do when you're, you know, going into a hotel, sitting down together or. And you're you all know, fancy and dressed right, up you're all and everything. Fancy. Like I'm wearing my slippers, honey. And the, the FedEx man might come knock on the door. So I'm just warning you ahead In of time. In the middle of it, right. Right. And, and that happened lots of times. So yes, I, I thought, I think that it actually, um, was a, a help to us. And I think that it helped my interviewing style a lot mm-hmm. because I just became much more but that's relaxed, who you are. I think. But that, that's who you are naturally. You're, the show's a very like, I'm going to talk to you and I'm going to talk to you very straight. That's, that's true. And I'm, I'm not cutting any, like I'm a massager. <laughs> She's like a get right, right. to the facts. That's true. <laughs> part of that is, you know, her news. That She still works for CNN. So yeah. Michelle is still like, cutting edge journalists so you will see her on cnn and entertainment tonight but i feel like you know uh, kevin kevin is like i always tell him there um i don't know anybody in this world whose hustle is harder than this one right here and like when he's on his game he's unmatched he's the best entertainment host in the business and don't ever tell anybody I said that. Right, because that's, that's a one-moment thing. She's just saying that ain't now. Ain't never going to hear it again, Rashawn. <laughs> he's the best entertainment host in this business. He truly is. He truly is. Well, you know, here's an interesting thing about it. Because this whole year's been so crazy with entertainment. You had the pandemic. And then you had the civil unrest. And and that's why this, that's why this interview was interesting for me to be a part of and talk to you about. Because you guys played it out. Right in front of us. You saw yes, yes. the pandemic hit and then you saw the civil unrest hit. And then you, you're seeing actors Broadway shut down. You're seeing movie theaters. California still shut down. A lot of ways it shut down. How? But you remain calm. Like, Michelle, you have a brilliant smile. Your eyes are active. You know what I'm saying? And you guys play your roles correctly because 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 of Kevin, you're stoic. You're that professional guy. You know, you're a leader, you're a leader yeah. of personality. So... But still, how did when when the let's walk me through these steps. The pandemic hit, then George Floyd. And where were you guys at emotionally? Oh, and, I was still broken. doing your job. I'm not even gonna lie. I was broken. It was it was it was and still is tough. I mean, you know, we're we're taught, and I don't know if you felt this way, Kev, um, because he is unflappable in a lot of ways, but we are taught, you know, as journalists, and we're both journalists, to be mm-hmm right down the middle. You know, you don't want to be, you want to appear unbiased. You want to just give people the facts. But when a situation like what happened this summer with the Black Lives Matter movement and the the murder of George, I'm going to just going to call it what it was, the murder of George Floyd and everything that was surrounded that Ahmaud Arbery, you know, the the rise up again with Breonna Taylor, so many things. Um, If we acted like that didn't affect us, we would be, we'd be liars. You know, mm-hmm. we are black folks mm-hmm. first and mm-hmm. foremost. And I know I've had experiences, um, you know, with racism and then and 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 inequality also in the workplace that it gave me 
um, an opportunity to have a voice that I probably wouldn't have spoken up and spoken out about things. Before. Right. So for me, I, I did a lot of healing. I remember I was doing an interview with, um, with Portia Williams. This was right in the beginning of things. I was doing an interview about her decision to step up and start uh, protesting and start really using her voice and her platform. And I broke down crying in the middle of the interview. And it just, cause I couldn't, you know, it was, ju- I, I couldn't do it anymore because I, I couldn't keep it together. And well, Rashawn, here's what you have to understand about the whole situation. Right. Months before that, a few months before that, Michelle went to do an interview um, with Oprah. Right? Yeah, it was with Oprah and Oprah Michael B. Jordan. And Michael B. Jordan at the Netflix building. And as she came out, um, she had this beautiful convertible and these guys cut her off and, you know, she honked at him. And when they came to the stoplight, one of the guys got out, wow. called her the N word, spit mm-hmm. on her. Yeah. And then drove off. And so tensions were already high here because when she came back, we was like, let's go find these. You right. know, your first reaction is like, well, let's I go out. I called you that night, though. You it called was me that night, night when it happened. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, where are you? Let's go find these dudes and let's go get them. You know, because that's your natural reaction. But then, you know, you have to calm down. But what settles in on you is the heaviness of what happened and what occurred because you have someone who is at the highest point of her career, mm-hmm. someone mm-hmm. who is a professional, who is beautiful, who has done all these things and all these accomplishments, and you still can't escape the fact that you get into your car, your $100,000 car, and mm-hmm. someone gets out and spits on you and calls you the N-word. And then, try, right. and, you know, it reduces you to a, a certain place that you never want to think it can, but it does. Right. And so, like, through that, I mean, you know, people look at, at both Kevin and myself and wh- what level of success we have achieved. And it's right. wonderful. And we're both blessed for it. But we also do a lot of, like, fighting and crusading and behind the scenes of really trying to make a difference in our little point you know corner of the world Mm -hmm. to make you know change in our what our newsrooms look like the coverage that we do the content that you see on tv those are you know things that we work on every single day so it's an ongoing effort you know it's on and people don't see that a lot of times i I had some people say to me well what have you ever done for your community well first of all don't ever question (laughs) (laughs) please don't Don't, ever y'all please don't play them reindeer right right but you know i want my respect (laughs) (laughs) i said that to kevin today i want my respect that was my lebron moment Mm -hmm. but um but no like so it's still every day you know um rashawn it's a it's a bad it's a battle, but it's a battle that both of us in talking to each other say we're ready for this. Yeah. We've got the shoulders for it. And I mm-hmm. mean, Kevin is the leader of us here. So we kind of all take direction for him. And he's a fighter for mm-hmm. Oaks of Color. I mean, he just <laughs> is, you know, you that's what he, the, she, this is. We talk each other off the ledge. That's, so, for sure. that's good. That's good. That's that's I will sure. tell you, because of the heaviness of what had happened before mm-hmm. when this happened. When the George mm-hmm. Floyd thing happened, we were just wow. like, no, this is crazy mm-hmm. because it's just, it was so much. And we were at home and so we were separated. Right. So we didn't have each other to kind of sit down and talk to each other. And my wife is from Minnesota. So it mm-hmm. happened you know, where she's from. 
Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, there's that other thing. Part of it let's, let's talk His about wife is like a years. badass attorney who is like the wokest woman on the planet. So I know She's Kevin was here. Defender, so I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> it's 40 years, 40 year anniversary coming up. Um, Emmy Award winning couple here that I'm talking to. What, what's your back on time set? Emmy Award winning over <laughs> here? Sean. Two times, two times. Honey, I'm two taking time. my flowers. OK, four and I'll back. Take my t- you got me two times. Oh, two times. <laughs> <laughs> Image Award. Two times, two times, two times. We, we haven't gotten there yet. We're there I know it. I know it. I know it. <laughs> You're listening to Money Making Conversations with Rashawn McDonald. We'll be right back. Cars today are like a computer on wheels, but you can't fix any of these new features yourself. So when something breaks, it could cost you a fortune. And now is not the time for expensive repairs. That's why you need CarShield. CarShield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for a covered repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. CarShield understands payment flexibility is a must. Plans are customizable and as low as $99 a month. No long-term contracts or commitment. Plus, you get to pick your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work, and CarShield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed. CarShield is America's number one auto protection company. For as low as $99 a month, you can protect yourself from surprises and save thousands. Call 1-800-CAR-6000. They mentioned code money, M-O-N-E-Y, or visit carshield.com and use code money, M-O-N-E-Y, to save 10%. That's carshield.com, code money. A deductible may apply. Welcome back to Money Making Conversations. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. Well, you know, the beauty of, of, like I said earlier, I started to show Mary Hard, John Tesh, I think Bob going, and then, <laughs> then Kevin Frazier started seeing his face Start dropping in periodically, you know, and then it became a regular. I didn't know if he was a regular, kind of regular, but I saw him a lot. And then I, I, I guess I got to tell you guys about entertainment night is so important that iconic music when it starts, da, 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 you know, you know. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Kevin, I got to tell you, man, a lot of times you just being a representative of us is so just seeing you is important to my daughter, to me. Mm. And then, Michelle, when you came on, for Entertainment Tonight to allow me to see two of you guys, attractive, voiceful, articulate, and still the show's ratings maintain status, still is a global presence. I just want to let you know that just keep doing your job yeah. because your job enables me to do my job. And that is, all we want to do is I mean, when the George Floyd thing happened, a lot of my white friends called me and they, they said, is it really like that? I said, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I always said I had never heard from so many of my white friends. You, you know what I'm saying? They, they, asked me, they, they asked me, is it really like that? I said, yeah. They said, how do you do it? I said, that's just part of the process. Mm-hmm. You know, I said, you, you get up, you deal with it. And I'm not comfortable when a policeman stops me. I'm not. I said, but that's part of life. And when I see the Black Lives Matter and I see white people walking, that in, that's important to me. And that's important when I see you guys interviewing and doing your job and interviewing white people. That's important to me. This is not BET I'm seeing you guys on. Right. This is not this is not TV one. You guys own the global presence. And when you're distributing information and then I see the Emmys this year being played out and seeing all these African-American talent being Talk about that reaction to the Emmys and the way it was done. It was produced uh-huh. by my man, Reginald Hudlin. The Emmys black. black this year. 
You know, what was interesting about it is your, your home and it's, it's, you know, it's Emmys that are virtual. And so we're like, I don't know. And so you're sitting there and you're looking, we had a a zoom with everybody that we work with during the Emmys and we're looking at, are you talking about the daytime Emmys or the prime? When we want ours, when we want ours. I was looking at all the people. And so as you look at all the people, you think about their families, their kids, their houses, what they are doing and, and what it takes for them just to survive and how important this moment is because this is something for everybody. So when we won our Emmy, it was like, it was incredible because I felt so proud for those people, those people that never, you never see. I thought it was an important moment. Yeah, I did too. And Gail King got to, um, you know, give us our Emmy. Yes. So that was, that was really, really <laughs> great. But Rashawn, I think you, you were also talking about, and this is important. This is a, these are conversations that Kevin and I have often mm-hmm. about having to be the, the most well-rounded people in the building. Um, we have to be, you know, there's the saying, you got to work twice as hard oh, yeah. to be considered half as good, but we have to be so well-rounded because you, you can't just be focused on, quote unquote, the, the black celebrities or the black people or whatever. Like we do. And you have to build relationships with everybody, which can be tough. It mm-hmm. can be tough. Like Kevin always teases me because um, people don't know a lot of times I'm I'm as country as country can be. Like, like I grew up on she country. Knows country, country music. Music. country uh, like she knows country, country music. Like she knows country music. Ms. Turner. <laughs> What'd you say? How country are you? I'm so I grew up on a pig farm, honey, in rural Missouri. Chitlins? Yeah. Y'all don't understand. Like she could probably drive a tractor better than she can drive her That's car. That's true. I um, love driving a tractor. Michelle <laughs> knows country music, so it always cracks me up when you, you walk out on the set and she'll play some old school country music yeah. on it. Yeah, and sure. she'll and it catches people by surprise. I love watching people's reaction when she starts singing old school country music, and they're like. But How do you know that George Strait? How right. do you know that George Strait? But now, oh, by the way, He Stopped Loving Her Today is one of the best songs ever. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Uh, I wish some man would love me till the day I died like that child. I listen to that See, song. now you got to quote country music. Now we're quoting country music. We're quoting, we're quoting it. Sad, sad. But the, but the thing is, it's like, um, it just goes to show you, and I think that we've been a good representation of that because Kevin's like this techie weirdo guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm this black girl who loves country music, who yeah. like, you know, and 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 hair bands like from the 80s. I love Bon Jovi, that kind of stuff. But I love, you know, I, I, I just love it all. But I think that we're a good representation of how black folks are not a monolith. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And how um, I think that we've gone a long way to teach the people here that you can't judge a book by its cover, because for a lot of times you did like, oh, you would sometimes feel like my black people go into the black stories or whatever. But now there's much more of a broad thinking because it's like, oh, Nichelle has a relationship with Trisha Yearwood because that's what she likes. Or, you know, Kevin Frazier, Melissa McCarthy, that's his girl. Like, you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. those Mm -hmm. things, I think you go a long way. Um, to changing stereotypes. Yes. And you know what I'm saying? And to showing people that we can do all things and we yes. can be all things. And um, it's just the same as if I was a blonde haired white woman. I mean, people can take right. to me the same way. So and 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 as advice, because I want people to hear what she's saying, we can do insecure I can go see Kevin Hart. You just sat with Kevin Hart. Right. And talk but to the him. crown is actually my favorite show. Right. But she can also <laughs> do the crown. You know what I mean? And so you can't, you can't come up in here thinking, well, I, I'm going to do what I know. No, no. Right. You're going to do what everybody knows, everything. And so you have to be well-rounded. 
And that's why I wanted to say, that's why it was important that you heard me when I said, I'm not watching BET. I'm not watching TV on. Mm -hmm. I'm watching iconic individuals who are carrying us to the next century being relatable. That's the key, relatable. But we look at this industry, you know, we thought Tenet would draw people back into the movie theaters on the domestic market. Mm -hmm. It didn't happen. Now the... I was interviewing some people from Lionsgate. They nervous. They don't know if the movies are going to be yeah, ready in Thanksgiving, Christmas. So you guys got your ear to the ground. What are we looking at? I think television. Tyler Perry has shown us he can shoot a movie. He can shoot twenty five episodes in two weeks. Smartest man on the planet. <laughs> on, on the planet. On the planet. Smartest man. People better stop sleeping on Tyler Perry. He is the smartest man on the planet. Smartest man. You know it's. Um, I'm not going to like, like what I miss most. I'm a movie head. I, I miss going to the movies more than anything. Like that was my, I would go Saturday morning, the very first movie I'd be in there by myself. It just is the the best feeling ever to watch a movie on the big screen. And I miss it so much. And if I'm being honest, you know, I don't know what we're going to get. I just, I don't know. I'd love to be optimistic, but every time I, I am, I feel like, but damn, what, but what are we going to get next? But I'll tell you this. I think that this time for movie makers is going to be the greatest time ever because by going video on demand, they get right. a larger cut of what they're doing. 100%. So you will see these people who are making movies and stuff like that. It's going to hurt the theaters but it doesn't hurt them because they're the people who are making the movies are Yeah, but are the studios still green lighting these amount of movies? I mean, is the studio really going to invest 200, 300, 400 million into a blockbuster if it's not Tom Cruise or Will Smith? No doubt, but if if you are Will Smith and now you can make a movie like for yeah. instance the movie that he's making right now about um uh what oh, I can't remember the name, but anyway, he's making a movie right now. They just left to make a movie now and Netflix paid them an insane amount of money yeah. for it, an insane amount of money. So you're taking out the the kind of equation where you hope, have to hope people go to the movies. These people are paying a lot of money up front, or you can make your money on video demand, and people will sit at home. I watched Annabellum the second it hit video right. on demand. Yeah, it probably would have taken me a week or two to get there. To get to the movies. Right. Yeah. No, you know, I- the interesting thing about it is that what Netflix has done for me as far as black product, is that it premieres internationally. You know, mm-hmm. when it premieres on Netflix, it's in China, it's in Europe, it's in South Africa. Which is Africa. amazing because, you know, it's, the rub in Hollywood has also always been black doesn't sell globally. Right. Thank you. All of a sudden, it's selling like crazy. Yeah. All of a sudden, yeah. they're like, whoa, y'all, well, y'all do sell. Yeah. Yeah. We Let's go that. back to Tyler Perry in January of Fall yeah. from Grace. 27 million views shocked yep. the world. And then we went into the pandemic and it opened up and the Five Bloods and all these apps, Jamie Foxx movie they just came out was incredible. Which and can the, I just the, say, Neilong. Delroy Lindo handed himself the Oscar. Come on, come on. Where he's cutting down the banana leaves. He handed himself the Oscar. Mm-hmm. And if he does not get it, y'all about to see me out here protesting. He better get nominated. Let's, let's first uh, say he's got to get nominated. Uh, uh, he got to get nominated. He, he got to get nominated. I told Delroy, I said... He's got to get nominated. He will be nominated. I mean, he got to get nominated. I'm not going to give away our votes. I I know. I know. We're on the same page with Daryl Orlando. He should get an Oscar nomination. Mm -hmm. He should win an Oscar for that. Solely based on that one scene. Just because they ripped him off from Malcolm X. He never got his due at Malcolm X. They owe him one for Malcolm X. Yeah, but this is not even a makeup because he's 
brilliant. No, I'm not saying he's this brilliant, movie. but I'm saying they still owe him one. Well, I get you. I get you. You're <laughs> correct. But he, this isn't a makeup. This isn't like the Denzel makeup. Right, right, right. training Because he should have won the hurricane right, and then right, he won right, training right, day. No, right, this right. isn't a makeup. Delroy Linda, there has not been a better performance this year by yes. a male in a yes. movie. Yes. In a movie, right. Okay, okay. Has not I'm, been I'm, a better I'm, performance I'm, I'm this with you year there. by a I'm male in a movie than him in The Five Bloods. Well, the interesting thing about it is that Mulan, it went straight to Disney. Mm-hmm. Disney has not told us how much money they've made so far. At least I've, I've been looking. They've not told anybody how many millions they've made charging people $30. It's been rumored that if they get 10% of their of their um, 80 million subscribers, then they can considerably go anywhere from $300 million up. Like you said, Kevin, that's 100% profit. Um, they They're made the, they made the money because yeah, I, everybody China. watched it on the first week. Yeah, and the first <laughs> and it, opened in, it finally opened in China, yeah. which is the market that they needed to open in. Right, Mulan is showing you that, like, if you keep it inside your streaming service, and it makes it worth it now for these streaming services to spend that kind of money. They looked at it and they said, "Oh, so we can spend this kind of money, have a blockbuster, and people will pay for it." I guarantee you, very very soon. And Marvel will start releasing everything straight to a stream. Well, I mean, Disney's going to try again with that, with yep. Soul and, yep. uh, on Christmas uh, and, Day. And by the way, Soul's going to explode. It's going to explode. I, I predict Soul will explode and Jingle Jangle will also be amazing. But the only thing I worry about, especially with Soul, is there are there is a large community, a large part of the community who isn't who doesn't have access to the Internet and the streaming services right. that would flock to the theaters to see that movie. But I will say this, that if you remember when there was a Motown explosion, it wasn't black folks driving it. We had lived with Motown our whole well, yeah, life. Yeah. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. you watch the big mm-hmm. chill and, and there, everybody's That's like, true. everybody's like, Oh my God, we love, we need some Motown music. I'm That's like, true. y'all, this is what my parents was playing every weekend <laughs> right. in my house. This right. is what I've been listening to all my life. So I think that it will once again, bring that, music that you love so much, you know, give the kids something to watch and people will watch it over and over again. If you have a young kid as a parent, you already own Disney plus. Cause you're like, I can't have you sitting right. in front of the TV enough right now. <laughs> so Absolutely. I, think it'll, I think it'll go. Yeah. Now, uh, Michelle, you said that your favorite show was crown. Okay. Yes. Right now in season four, I got a sneak peek. Oh. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Oh. My favorite show is Yellowstone. Mm. Uh, okay. Fantastic. Uh, okay, good it show. Fantastic. Yep. You know, you know, I'll be telling telling my black friends, come on board, come on board. This is a show. Yellowstone is like a, a Western. Kevin Costner is brilliant. The brilliant. whole cast is crazy. The season finale was a monster. I can't wait till next summer. I'm mad. I don't get a I don't get a sneak preview. And Kevin, and Rashad, I'm going to tell you something. Kevin Costner, even though he is a superstar, I yes. still think he's underrated. I oh, still yes. don't yes. think people give him the love he deserves. Yeah, I agree with you. Underrated. I agree with you on there. And I know that that's Yellowstone crazy series is it, it's it's incredible to see. That's what I, I love streaming services because it provides mm-hmm. those unique yeah. level of programming yeah. that we would normally get. And that is a jewel. That is a gem. Is just sitting out there to wait. So any other shows before we wrap that up, you feel are flying under the radar that people need to know about that you guys. Let me, let me just say this. Let me just say this. Okay. okay. My problem is reality television. Okay. And I like 
Fiancé, and I'm crazy, I love, yeah. trashy reality TV. Me too. <laughs> ninety Day Fiancé. Oh, and Ninety Day the other way. See, I don't do that. I don't do those. I'm a housewife. Ninety Day is crazy. Ninety Day is crazy. Oh my God, it's the greatest show on the planet. I, I can't get a. I, I mean, I can sit down and they'll get me caught in a a loop, and then I host. Uh, married at first sight all the right? wow because i love that sh- i mean i can't i i just it's the whole experiment of it all i can't get enough but i think that if if i had to say a scripted series that i love the most it's insecure because that's the neighborhood oh, yeah. i live in so oh. it's the area where i live yeah but Issa Rae, she's a friggin genius, genius. she's a girl, genius and girl. it's just she knows it yeah she does she and what she, she does though it just it does me off because she knows just how much to give us and then yes. she taketh away. It's and we're yes. sitting here like killing me. Killing me. Yeah. This killing last me. season was brilliant. This last right. season like, was brilliant. Like, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, Insecure is like one in the crown, maybe one A for me right now. I mean, and because this season of the crown is Charles and Diana and all that drama, it <laughs> just Wow! I can't. I can't wait for it. I can't, I'm. So, I'm excited about. I, I saw love the it crown. early, and it, I. Uh, I can't wait for the crown. It's just. It's so amazing. Um, there was a show FX on Hulu did this show, Mrs. America, that you was can go find on streaming. That awesome. is great. Shot in Atlanta. Shot in Atlanta. Bananas good. Bananas good, and it's all about the women's liberation movement and all the power players within that movement. It. I mean, it blew me away, and I came to the party late. Um, I came to Watchmen late yeah, because but people I forgot been... about Shirley Chisholm. That's yeah, what I happened. Mean, people yes. forgot about Shirley Chisholm and Watchmen. I mean, Regina. Regina is you talk yeah, about Regina, Kevin Costner. Can we say Yahya Abdul Mateen? So I apologize. Regina is incredible. <laughs> but I want to say this, and the other thing that I have been telling everybody to watch is uh-huh. go back and watch Reconstruction. Um, it is a PBS oh, the special. Four parts. Yes, I, I did. And you need to understand what happened in the United States. Yeah. Because it, as we look at this moment right now, a lot yes. of people don't understand that there was an opportunity to make this right. And mm-hmm. that we as a nation said no and instead went down a very different course. A dark path. That us to Jim Crow and segregation. Instead mm-hmm. of going down a, a course where we could have shared power and there was shared power for a couple of years and then everything went away. So I think everybody needs to see Reconstruction so they can understand what they took from people. And you can watch that PBS documentary. It's re- I just recently watched it like a couple of months ago. It's so, so very good. But I'm a, like, I'm a cooking show person. Oh my gosh. She and can so, cook. And so, hold on, let me just say this on. I want to say this right now. That he God. just offered to give me money to cook for him every <laughs> yeah. day. I have her cook. I, I just said, Nichelle, will you cook every day and bring in the food, and I'll just eat it here. Her gumbo and her etouffee is off the chain. She can make keto healthy candy and desserts. I do. I'm do just that. saying, she I different. Do do that. She what, different. But here's what I was gonna <laughs> say. Different. I wasn't gonna the track. But what I was gonna talk about is. She the different. best show on television, well, it's on streaming right now, but is The Great British Bake Off. It's, it's on Netflix, and it is the best show on television. I'll tell you something. <laughs> Chef's Table. Yes. Oh, good. Incredible. Yeah. That Rodney Scott interview and Tootsie interview off the chain. Oh, so, Tootsie! Can I go? Can I go find? I just want to sit at Tootsie's table and eat some barbecue and like, please, Tootsie, please, yeah. please. 
Hey team, it's been 30 minutes and we still talking. Has it been so, 30 minutes? It's been 30 minutes. And I, I, the, the, the great part about this whole relationship, we could continue talking, yes. but I, I, I gotta let y'all go. Rashawn, wow. it's always a pleasure. And by the way, I know what you and Stephen A are doing. Y'all are doing big things behind the scenes. Well, People I'm don't just, know, but I'm, there's I'm stuff gonna, coming. There's stuff coming. coming. It's coming. And I'm glad yeah. you recognize that. I mean, There's a lot of people that don't know. Recognize game. Yeah, I, know what's, I know what's happening behind the scenes. <laughs> I know what you're doing. I know what y'all are doing. Well, you know, if, or just a side note, man, um, my life is in a, such an amazing place. And uh, I've just purchased a building in Atlanta and just, uh, you know, it's my staff and just be able to talk to you guys and just talk about life and, and, and from a black perspective on a major environment like Entertainment Tonight, which is iconic. I'm just telling you, when I sincerely say this, I'm proud of you guys. And you. you guys make a huge difference. Well, I received that because I'm Black America. I, and I, I shouldn't know, be here right now, and, you know? And I see why, because like you, you guys have a versatile palette of how you receive information, how you live your life. So when I see you talking to different people, it's not even out of the norm because you guys consume information. Crown, outrageous reality shows. Then, he, then I bring up Yellowstone. You know about that. Then I know about the chef table. You know about that. I've not bring up, brought up anything you didn't know about. <laughs> well, it is that our business. You know, I tell everybody, though, I treat entertainment because we are journalists. I treat entertainment news like a beat. It doesn't matter if we're talking about, you know, um, Azerbaijan, if we're talking about, um, you know, Kim Kardashian, if we're talking, whatever, whatever it is, like that is your beat. So I treat it like politics, sports, whatever. Like you get up every day. I read all of the trades. Y'all don't understand. I consume all of the information. I, you, I treat it like a beat. <laughs> I, I will walk in and she'll break some stuff down to me and I'll be like, what? I mean, yeah. like break it down. Like she'll be like, well, well, well I'm, I'm a nut like that too. And so yeah, you guys have you not. Have and I, and I interview a lot of people. And so you guys are what you do. You're experts at what you do. You're beautiful people. And guess what? My goal now is to be interviewed on entertainment tonight. Come on. With all this stuff we about to drop in the fourth quarter. Come on, man. There's Kevin. some stuff happening with them that could be game changing. Come on, man. I know about it. I know about it. <laughs> you guys be safe. Thank you for coming on my show. Thanks, Thanks, man. Love Bye. both Bye. of you guys. And keep representing. We appreciate you. We'll be right back. All right. Can't wait to see what y'all do. McDonald and Money Making Conversations. Don't touch that dial. Organ donations save lives, and some organs can even be donated by a living donor. August is National Minority Donor Awareness Month, so let's check in with Dr. Danae Simpson, Assistant Professor of Surgery at Northwestern Medicine. Tell us about the African American Transplant Access Program. So this is my baby. This is a program that I have dreamt about creating since I became interested in transplant as a trainee. And it's a program designed to address the significant disparities that our African-American patients face. The program is designed to educate patients about transplant, let them know what transplant can provide to them, and to help them access the resources that they find so scarce and so challenging to access in order to get them on the transplant path and back to, you know, some type of meaningful life. For more information, visit nm.org radio. 
Hi, I'm Rashawn McDonald, the host of Money Making Conversation. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award is a celebration of black men who are making a difference in our community by empowering others to reach their life goals. From civic leaders, businessmen, activists, celebrities, and everyday dads, the Cafe Mocha Swag Award winner this week is Van Jones. He currently hosts the Van Jones Show on CNN. Van Jones is president of the Dream Court and is among activists featured in the Netflix 2016 documentary, The 13th, directed by Ava DuVernay about the U.S. justice system and factors that have resulted in the over-incarceration of minorities and the highest incarceration rate in the world. And it just underscored to me the need to work on criminal justice and policing issues. And that's really what I, I focused on. And, and I learned so much doing that because when you're working on policing issues and criminal justice, yes, you sir. really have to work at the grassroots level until you get some victories going. And I'll never forget what it's like when you're fighting the whole system mm-hmm. with just, you know, a few allies. Right. But then to be able to win sometimes, it just shows you, you the power of the people. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award represents men who have strength, whose wisdom is assertive, and who is genuine in their spirit. Welcome back to Money Making Conversations. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. My next guest, Pitmaster Rodney Scott, has been cooking whole hog barbecue over wood coals since the age of 11. Rodney is featured in Netflix acclaimed Chef Table series. It is barbecue themed this season. In 2019, Rodney Scott opened his second location in Birmingham, Alabama, The Ham. That's right, The Ham. Bringing whole hog, South Carolina-style barbecue, and his famous vinegar-based Rodney sauce to another part of the South. Rodney Scott's barbecue pits rib, cooks rib, chicken, turkey, and other classics like collard greens, coleslaw, Ella's banana pudding, honoring Rodney's mother. In 2021, another outpost of Rodney Scott Whole Hall Barbecue is set to open in historic West End of Atlanta, Georgia. You know I can't wait. That's where I'm based. With another in Birmingham. He's going back to the ham. He just loved the ham. It is due to open later that year. He is all about the Whole Hog Barbecue. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, my man, Rodney Scott. Hello, hello. Thank you. <laughs> Rodney. <laughs> I lot to say about you, brother. Lot to say about you. <laughs> Man, I uh, yeah. hey, my so, so I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm a fan of just food. I'm a foodie. I'm a I've been blessed to be proclaimed as an award winning baker. So every time I look at food or desserts, especially cooking, and I'm born and raised in Houston, Texas. So I know nice. barbecue. Barbecue. My, in fact, my nephew he has a he has an award winning barbecue stand in Houston, Texas. He cooks for the uh, for the Houston Texans on the weekend. He wanted the top barbecue really? at Houston, Texas. So, so you know when when it comes to barbecue, he makes his own sausage and everything. So, so he's a, a military veteran from the army. So I'm so proud of what he's accomplished. In fact, he called me like a few minutes before I, this interview started, and I felt that it was it was it was ironic. He called me right before I was about to start this interview with you. So. I saw the 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 Netflix special. That's why that's why I became in love with the brand of Rodney Scott. Yeah. So, what is the brand of Rodney Scott? Before we get started, from your point of view, uh, first of all, hello to everybody out there. Every day is a good day, regardless of where you are. Um, you know, uh, the Rodney Scott brand is it started. It's basically whole hog cooking, which is over hot coals, and it and it's where we burn uh, our wood down. We turn it into hot coals. We take the hot coals and put it under the hog, and, and we cook it for anywhere from eight to twelve hours, usually around twelve hours. And uh, it's it. And the whole brand is about bringing people together, inspiring people, you know, through food and music. I'm a mm-hmm. music lover. I gotta admit, mm-hmm. love me some music. 
Now, with that being said, when I when I watch these different barbecue shows, you know, it seems like you guys don't do much to the meat for it to be great. It, you know, because I'm, I'm at my house, man. Barbecue seems so complicated at my house. But when I, when I watch you on TV, Rodney, uh, just put that, uh, just put, put the rub on it, put the vinegar on it, uh, smoke it, and you're done. And then everybody, and then it just falls apart. Maybe because I'm not doing the eight to twelve hours sessions. I'm trying to cook mine in two hours. Is what's causing the difficult <laughs> <No>. problems there. <laughs> two hours can create a little problem on the size of the protein, depending on the size. You, you, def, you definitely want to cook it a little while. Um, you know, you you run into different things. Uh, the way that we do it at home, we we do sprinkle our rub on and 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 put put our ribs on for example but we, you know we don't go as hot and we try not to go as fast about three and a half four hours on those ribs right just an example you know of some of the mistakes that people tend to make when when they sometimes are cooking you know at home right right then, it, talk to me talk to me rodney you're talking to me come yeah. on you can personalize yeah. it Rushon, yeah. this your problem <laughs> so so here's what you do you have fun with it. You, you keep that confidence that you start out with mm-hmm. and you have fun with it you know mm-hmm. don't be afraid to make that mistake mm-hmm. so don't don't rush it. Enjoy it. Smell the flowers while you're moving along. You know, mm-hmm. don't have a drink or two. Enjoy yourself while you're doing it. Right. That'll make it a lot easier mm-hmm. than having the pressure on what it's going to taste like when it's done. Right. Now, this isn't a big difference because I'm, I'm just a uh, let, let's talk about the Netflix series. What I saw you on now. How did that happen and how were you chosen? Wow. You know, I think we're chosen by word of mouth. Um, mm-hmm. uh, one of one of my coworkers that was with us the day that I met these guys, I I was exhausted. I was out in California cooking. I was exhausted. Didn't really remember a lot. And uh, we spoke to some guys and, you know, I, I'm my usual self talking. And <laughs> and later on, she mentioned to me, she said, you know, that those guys are connected with Netflix. So I'm like, oh, wow, man, I'm, I'm excited to hear that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think it was word of mouth that said that I was easy to work with and they wanted to do something. I'm like, really? Mm hmm. Sure. And, now, and before you know it, I got the call. Netflix was coming in and like, yeah. How long did they follow you? How long? What was the, the time when it was a several days, a day, a couple of weeks to do that whole special, put it all together that the gathered to shoot the content and the, the backstory to pull that pull that uh, episode off. To pull that episode off, it took us a total of two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was two weeks hard work. It was a lot of fun. Oh, man, those guys were so much fun to work with. Um, it was interesting to to tell the story of barbecue, something that's so important to the South. It was it, it felt good for me to be able to tell that story through Chef's Table and, and to let the world see that barbecue is, is something more than just things some people do in their backyard. You know, to be to be on the same level as fine dining, to be mentioned on that same level. Whew, man, that is huge huge and, and it felt good taping with these guys to tell that story well you know the world and I, and I can tell it's one thing about me I'm I, like I said earlier I'm born and raised in Houston Texas where you know I grew up in a black neighborhood so barbecue is kind of like a rite of passage you know yeah good barbecue when you good barbecue you really are the king of the neighborhood you king of the family you know you you, oh, yeah. you you have a certain honor you know oh you know he can cook because everybody cannot cook barbecue uh, because they you know so tell me this Rodney what what makes a good because you kind of talked about a little bit earlier what makes a good barbecue person and what makes a person like me who shouldn't be even near a barbecue because I'm impatient I want to I want to I want to cook it like a burger you know I want my ribs done like a burger you know real fast yeah 
I know that impatience. <laughs> so what, what, what makes a good barbecue person is, first of all, like I said, have fun with it. Try to enjoy it. You know, try not to carry any pressures going in. And, and you definitely want to make sure that your timing is right. You got to have some patience when you're doing it as well. Um, when you tend to rush it, it's going to either be undercooked or it's going to just be tough and, and you won't enjoy it. So you want to you want to have some patience and have some fun and, and and make sure you got a flavor that fits your palate that you really really like and, right. and just show it man just take your time and do it because you know you in the store you can go in and you got the little coals the little black coals you can get and then I see the wood yeah. you know talk about the hickory and and the different different flavors that come if you want to smoke it because I got it all I got the egg you know I got the because my dad yeah. when he was growing up he get the the barrel and cut it out and then cut it in half. half you know that was my dad then you know i'm fancy i got a little money so i got the egg and all that good stuff so i got the tools the barbecue i just don't have the patience the barbecue and so so does it make a diff- big difference like when i watch watching your tv it just it's just so dramatic that you know you're in this room with all these pits and all these hogs how many how many ovens can i call them ovens or, 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 or what do you call those things that you cook the uh the whole hogs in what do they call well i call them pits okay you know some mm-hmm. people call them smokers you know everybody has a different terminology mm-hmm. but uh, i call them pits and mm-hmm. uh in in our in our charleston restaurant we have five of them that we use and, and in five, our Birmingham five of them. And how much does how many hogs go on each pit? In in uh two hogs can fit in our Charleston restaurant right now mm-hmm. on each pit. Wow! And in our Birmingham restaurants, our our pits are not quite as big as two hogs, so you can get about a hog, maybe a hog and a half if you're lucky on the ones in Birmingham. And we have four down there. So and how many these, pounds are we looking at of a hog? Would you consider a good oh, hog? About one hundred and seventy. 150 to 170 pounds average. Okay. Every now and again, we may get something around 200 pounds. In wow. There, you know, yeah, that's a lot of protein cooking at once. Mm-hmm. So we, you got to have patience and, and enjoy the ride. That's where the music comes in. Absolutely. I'm going to tell you something, how country I was. My dad, man, used to take me to country and we, you know, shoot a hog, you know, and we come back and yeah. we get the, you know, we bring it back with hog head cheese. We got the chitlins, yes. you know, we got the ham, Every, you know, that hog, when it can, oh, we eat pig feet, we did everything on that hog, Rodney. And that yeah, hog walked out, that, walk, that hog didn't walk out that house. You know what I'm saying? He walked <laughs> in my house. He was, the, the knuckles were gone, the tails were gone, the feet, the, the, the ham, like I said, the chitlins. And if anybody who's ever done chitlins at their house know what I'm talking about, that house ain't oh, nothing right to go into. Okay, it's not right. Okay, because no. you got to go in there and clean out them intestines, and them intestines are for real, for real, as they say. That's some good eating, though. <laughs> hey, come on, see right there, my man, right there. Do you eat your, That's some good eating, do you eat though, your chitlins with white white rice, or, or what do you eat your chitlins with? Hot sauce. Oh man, we had this lady that used to make it for us, Miss Margaret. She used to throw down them fresh chitlins with a little bit of uh, gravy and onions and, and hot sauce. Ooh, man, Miss Margaret used to throw down. My goodness, Ooh. see that's the that's that's country talk. See, Rodney and I, if you're not ready for this, come. I'm sorry, you tune in on Money Make Conversation. We went deep on this because see, when he didn't blink when I said we cleaning the hogs in the bathtub, he didn't blink. See. Cause he know exactly no. the, the intestines. He know exactly what I'm talking about. That's what you got to do. You just can't eat dirty intestines. You know you can't do that. Otherwise no. you gonna get you, sick. You had to clean them. You got to clean. You had to clean them. You had to clean them real good. But then he turned around and said, "That's good eating, so that's good eating." That's some good eating, man. <laughs> 
You're listening to Money Making Conversations with Rashawn McDonald. We'll be right back. Cars today are like a computer on wheels, but you can't fix any of these new features yourself. So when something breaks, it could cost you a fortune. And now is not the time for expensive repairs. That's why you need CarShield. CarShield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for a covered repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. CarShield understands payment flexibility is a must. Plans are customizable and as low as $99 a month. No long-term contracts or commitment. Plus, you get to pick your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work, and CarShield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed. CarShield is America's number one auto protection company. For as low as $99 a month, you can protect yourself from surprises and save thousands. Call 1-800-CAR-6000 and mention code MONEY, M-O-N-E-Y, or visit carshield.com and use code MONEY, M-O-N-E-Y, to save 10%. That's carshield.com, code MONEY. A deductible may apply. Welcome back to Money Making Conversations. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. Now, Rodney, That's some good now here's the deal about this, man. You know, you know, you're the first black chef to win the James Beard Award for Best Chef in the Southeast and only the second barbecue pitmaster to win any chef award from the foundation. And that's what you was talking yeah. about earlier when you saying that, you know, the elevation of barbecue to the, uh, yeah. as, as a fine dining cuisine. Is what you're talking about as far as the yeah. pride factor. So let's talk about the whole James Beard and how that works and how you were brought into the opportunity to the win Best Chef Southeast. Oh, man, that the James Beard Award is a prestigious award, I mean, for years. And the first time I went, I, I, was, I went as a guest. And uh, I thought it was the most amazing thing to see so many people around food. And And when I came back home to the country, the next thing that I thought about was, I would love to get up there one day, but me being in a rural area at the time, the only thought I had was I'm, I'm going to create a mental James Beard award. If I get a guest that comes two and three times, that'll be my pretend walk across that stage. So it was always a dream like that, you know, for me. And then it got to the point where we opened the restaurant here in Charleston in, in 2017. And, and, and then the next thing you know, we had a nomination and I'm like, wow, how do you get nominated? Well, to get nominated, somebody has to mention it, and mm-hmm. and it goes before a committee of of people that you don't know, and you don't know who's watching you. So, from the first nomination, I felt not only proud, but I felt the 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 the, the, the obligation to deliver great food, to deliver consistent food across the board every day until this announcement comes. Then we made the finals, and I'm like, wow, we're 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 up here walking with uh walking with the big folks, you know. <laughs> <laughs> We'll do this thing on a higher level. With the dressed up folk. With the dressed up folk. Yeah. So now it's time to go to Chicago for the finals, and and you got to get your tuxedo, you got to get yourself together, and um, you know, I was man, I was just happy to go. Right. And to hear your name called with all of these great, great, great chefs throughout the country, you know, and to be in a rare group of one of the the few minorities that's been announced that year, mm-hmm. it it felt so. Amazing, man. It was surreal. I, I still can't believe it. What year was that? And what year was that? That was 2018. That's yeah, I'll never forget, man. Mm-hmm. Wow. May 2018. And uh, I remember when they called our category and they called my name. I didn't hear it. And everybody on my row had to tell me to get up. You know, my wife, my, my, my business partner, my brother, Nick, Paul and Nicholas, all these guys, they always travel with me. These, that's my family. And 
to, they had to tell me, get up, man, get up. You won, you won, you won. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? So that walk to the stage mm-hmm. was one of the, the, the most longest walks I've ever taken. It was, I was, it was unbelievable. I was like, oh, please don't wake up before you get to the stage. Because I thought I was dreaming. Mm-hmm. But man, to, to get up there and, and, and to have that medal put around your neck, to be mentioned with, like I said, some of the best chefs in the in the United States and the world. Right. Just to be mentioned on that level, man, was unbelievable. Well, first of all, you look good and you look good and tucked, man. You look you dress Thank up you nice, man. From that apron and that Billy, t-shirt, you look good, bro. <laughs> Billy Reed is the avenue hooked me up. <laughs> well, they look at hooked you up really good. Well, you know the, the, the yeah. thing about it, I, I've been fortunate, Rodney, to live in Houston, Atlanta, New York. Uh, Los Angeles and Chicago. Chicago is a food lover's town. It is. That city right there is, you walk in that city, if you want to get a good meal, I don't care if it's barbecue, Mexican food, Italian food, of course, pizza, that's what it's known for, hot dog, that's what it's known for. But that's yeah. a food lover's town. And to be honored in a food lover's town is even even more great and to get win an award yeah. like that. So what did that winning that award in 2018 do for your brand, though? Man, winning that award in 2018 got my brand not only more recognition, but it, it brought us a lot more opportunity to, to, to go and spread our love all over the place. You know, we traveled throughout the United States doing different events because people heard of us through the award. Mm-hmm. We got a chance to let people see whole hog cooking, even down in Houston. You know, we, we, we cook. I remember cooking in Houston a couple of hogs and one guy came up and asked me, was it deer? Because they were so used to beef. <laughs> yeah, yes, that's, that's Houston talk. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. So just the, the, the Beard Award got us recognized to a point where we were able to do our thing in different parts of the United States and be recognized. And people knew what to expect. And to be so respected through our food when it's barbecue. You know, a lot of people look at barbecue as a simple backyard thing. But, right. man, the Beard Award changed that whole outlook for us. Because it, it struck a lot of people's curiosity to say, this is Beard Award winning barbecue. I have to go and taste it. My man, I'm going to tell you something. You know, uh, now how did the, uh, you know, we're in the middle of the pandemic and COVID-19 that overly, overtly affect African-American. But uh, more importantly, the country shut down for almost two months and nobody yeah. saw that coming. So how did it affect how you are doing business today? And uh, what's the recovery process for you in the future? First of all, you know, the pandemic is it was pretty, pretty scary, man. It still is. And and first thing we did was we, we tried to protect our staff, our families. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we, we, we started to communicate every day. My PRG restaurant group, we communicated every day on the phone with all the CDC rules and everything that we can do to adjust. How do we keep the, the public fed without putting them at risk? Right. And. We, we kept in communication following CDC rules. We, we created sanitation lists and rules. We held all of our managers and everything obligated to making sure sanitation is done hourly throughout the restaurant. And we, we, we had a drive through at our Charleston restaurant. Smart. So when dining rooms got shut down, we, we were able to serve food through our, di- our drive through mm-hmm. to still feed people that were still able to come out and then in the the frontline workers and, and emergency workers that were out there, they were still able to eat. So not only that, barbecue travels well. You so sure do. You get, a, you, you get an opportunity to reheat a little bit without destroying the quality of the food. So that helped a lot of families and, and, and first responders. You know, we offer discounts to, to them so they can feed their families. Thank you. Our st- 
staff members that we weren't able to uh, keep on staff. We mm-hmm. offered them a couple hours a day to come get food. Mm-hmm. So we just continued to work. We, we 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 thought about our staff. We weren't out to make money. We were out to just maintain the best we can to protect our people. Well, uh, and, and I'm so happy to hear that. I just wanted you to share that story because that's part of, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, a lot of people forget that you're a human being, too. And then you have people who count on you. And then when they're in a the moment of dis- of distress, you know, you are, are stressed. You have to uh, be there for them and then yeah. but not leave them out there. And also your community, like you said, offer discounts and things like that. And but that's what that's what hurt a lot of black businesses. Now, you know, because you're a lead entrepreneur in this business, we we we're not set up for the technology. We are not generally set up for the drive throughs. And so when the pandemic right. hit, it really affected uh, minority businesses overall because they were not they did such business, you know, dine in business. That's how they made their money. Wasn't ready for the curbside. Yeah. side, wasn't ready for those elements of of, of change. But the thing that really affects me is that when I saw your special on Netflix, it was so human. Now we, we saw how the James Beard affected your business. I'm, I, that, that Netflix series, the chef table had to be on fire wow. for your brand. Man. I, I'm telling you, man, when you, when you, when you did that story about, you know, you were celebrating, uh, your high school graduation and that girl came over to you and said, I don't know why you celebrating. All you're going to do is go down the street and chop a hog for a living. And then your dad yep. woke you up at midnight. <laughs> well, he told me right after that. He told me, he, I walked away from her over to him and he said, you got to be at the pit at 11. <laughs> and, and I'm like, what? So, you know, it, 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 it's all very, very true, and, and it, it was it was it was it was heartbreaking to a teenager coming out of high school. You know right. what? I can have fun tonight, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, I never I never forgot the moment. I can take you to the very spot I stood where that girl said what she said to me, mm-hmm. and I never mm-hmm. let that escape my mind because mm-hmm. I knew that I'm gonna stay determined. I'm gonna prove her wrong, right? And 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 every day, not one day goes by do I not think back to that moment when she said, "I don't know why you ain't going nowhere." And I'm like, he's going to go right on really? down the street and chop up meat for a living. That's all you ever going to be as a meat chopper. That's all she was saying. Oh, man. And then, but when you, but the, but that was one of the moments, that was several moments in that when you was out there with your son. It was just several great yeah. emotional moments when I, because, you know, because they give you the option. You know, what happens is on Netflix, they, they do a trailer and I'm sitting up there with my wife. And because another person that told me about, the chef tables. You gotta watch chef tables. Really good. I said, okay, cool. So the trailer came on. I watched. Now they went through everybody, and I went, Rodney Scott. I said, man, I gotta. This looks pretty. So you was the first yeah. one I watched, and I was like, my Thank mouth you. was dropped. My mouth dropped. I went, wow, wow. I love yeah. this dude. I love him. He's he's on. You know, it was just it was just your story was compelling. Your the family aspect, your relationship with your dad, your mom coming up. You know, getting news story. In other words, you didn't. This is what I like about you, Rodney. You didn't ask for any of this. But when the opportunity presented itself, you went for it, man. You were not intimidated by opportunity, and a lot of people are like that. And that's why I always tell people on this this show because the fact that a lot of you have to walk through a, a lot of unknown to be successful. When I say that meaning that there are no guarantees and your story is walking through a lot of unknowns to be where we are today talking about your success correct 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 you know a closed mouth don't get fed i tell my partner that all the time 
I tell Nick that all the time. A closed mouth don't get fed. If you don't open up your mouth and say what you want, that opportunity is not going to be there for you. You know, you're just going to let it pass you by. If you don't, if you're not going to, if you're not willing to step out on faith and do your thing, and stay stay consistent and persistent, you you know you can it can slip right by past you. And I refuse to let anything slip past me. You don't. Now you was about to comment because I want to get the comment on people's reaction to this Chef Table special that's airing on Netflix after they saw it. What has been the reaction? Out of this world. <laughs> the reaction, let me tell you, the it, it released at 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time mm-hmm. on September 2nd. 4.30, I think I had messages on my phone. Mm-hmm. I had messages from Australia. I had messages from uh, Russia, Peru, Germany, Switzerland, uh, the U.K., and, and and everything on Instagram, the re- the message requests, they they've been out of this world. And and by the way, I'm not ignoring your requests. I'm trying to get to them. I'm I'm trying, <laughs> but it's it's been out of this world. Sales at the restaurant line out the door. People have been people have shown so much love. They have been grown men and women approach me with tears in their eyes Tell saying, you, "You told my story. You Tell told you, my man. story. We're going to do the same thing." Uh, weird weird calls at times saying you don't know me but I got your number from such and such and I they they would say the first name but they would just say how much the story touched their lives it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's been unbelievable all the way around you know business wise personal wise and it, and it inspired so many people to come out and say that they are having tough relationships with their families and they want to do something about it mm-hmm. so it's it, it's been it's been over over the top, man. It's been absolutely great. I've, I'm enjoying every second of being able to see somebody and say that you helped me. You changed my life. I'm going to tell you, man, uh, my father was a truck driver, kind of like your father. You know, this, this way it's going to be. This way I've been. This way we've been doing. Yeah. This way it's going to be. And this way it's going to be after I leave this earth. Because that's where he set the yeah. rules in place, and so I just—I'm gonna tell you, man. I—I—I I, 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 watching the show, and this just speaking honest is that uh, I just Rodney Scott Brand. I fell in love with the the family man. I fell in love with the son. I fell in love with the entrepreneur. I fell in the the. the I, I don't give up spirit. I'm not afraid to try something new. I'm not afraid to travel. I'm not afraid to understand that God has something in store for me. Definitely. And when it comes to me, I'm going to be waiting and I'm going to put the work in to make sure it happens. That's what people saw in that story, man. And it's just one of the great, great um, individual moments of watching something on television. You're going, this is great storytelling because they told your story, Rodney. They really did. Yeah, that that story of my life, man, and and I just hope that everybody that watches it learn from it and stay inspired by it. You know, don't don't feel don't feel down because things are not happening to you the way that you want it to. You know, right. your turn's coming. Just sit tight. <laughs> now, now listen, my, my my turn's coming because you're supposed to be coming to Atlanta here with some barbecue, my brother. So yes, tell sir. us about the yes, expansion sir. talk and uh, how's everything going down in the ham and uh, and why is there a desire to expand the brand. Man, the desire to expand the brand has been a childhood dream. Um, I, I heard I heard T.D. Jake say the colonel had chicken, and, and he got so blessed that it spread all over the world. And I said, <laughs> we got hog. <laughs> and uh, to expand the brand, man, was, was a personal dream. And uh, me and Nick, we, we talk a lot about expansion, and he asked me, and I told him. And Atlanta was one of the stops. 
and I'm excited to come to Atlanta. I remember reading about Atlanta in the 80s in the Ebony Magazine. That city was growing so fast. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, man, Atlanta, where is that? Mm-hmm. You know, and finally got an opportunity to be a part of it. And, right. and I'm excited about Atlanta. Uh, Birmingham as well. We're coming into Birmingham, expanding. That the, the that place is just one of the most beautiful cities I've ever seen. It's it's a city, but it feels like a small town. It's yes, not, it is. You know, you, you still receive a lot of love. You can feel the love in that area. And 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 I just I, I drive to Birmingham all the time, and not just for work. I, I just love the area. Well, so, I, I got to get you on your board, Ricky Smiley. That's Ricky Smiley country there, Birmingham. That's big. Hey, I got to put him on the radio show, but Ricky Smiley, man, he he probably don't know you in the hand. I got I got to hook this up, man, because my whole thing man. is that is that is as a brand and watching you grow as a as a business, your James Beard Award winner, you know your 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 barbecues outstanding, you're expanding. Now, tell us a little bit about your partner. You mentioned his name several times because he was really key into you becoming the brand that you are today. And how did that relationship come about? That relationship, our relationship with my partner, my brother, it came about in 2000, uh, I think it was 10, nine or 10 we met. And uh, we were introduced by a mutual friend and, and we, we did an event together called uh, the Smoke Dinner here in Charleston for Charleston Wine and Food. And that night we talked and, and I said, this dude's really funny, man, you know, the, great conversation seems to be a smart businessman right and we just we, we formed a relationship from the first night that i did this event up until current day you know you're talking about this is my best man at, at my wedding you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. this is the guy if i need to talk to somebody i can call him up mm-hmm. and he, he he mentioned these opportunities to me and i'm like yeah <laughs> you know dude i know you i've seen your hard work i've seen your efforts i've seen your success and yeah i'll guide me show me tell me what you know and i'll tell you what i know right and together man we 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 learn from each other constantly we listen to each other constantly he shows me things i show him things Mm -hmm. and and we're constantly talking and communicating and he's been a very very big part on me opening the first rodney scott here in charleston right 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 down the street well I, i know my whole thing is that um you're a pit master. You're a king pit master. If you haven't seen the special on Netflix, it's called The Chef's Table. Um, they have a trailer. They have a, a number of other really good episodes, but I'm only here to talk about Rodney Scott. That's the episode yeah. that changed my my take on what it means to barbecue. And I know a lot of great barbecue. My boy, Kevin Bledsoe, he's my boy out of L.A. Yeah. Bledsoe's Barbecue. Got my nephew down in Houston, Texas. He's a bad barbecue. But Rodney Scott... Neither one of them are James Beard Award winning pitmasters, okay? Congratulations, wow. my brother. And, uh, you Thank know, you. Uh, when you come to Atlanta, you know, we're going to keep this relationship going and all that and, and everything. But again, I just wanted to bring you on my show, Money, Money Making Conversation, tell your story. We're going to promote this a lot and get the word out. Do you have, do you, uh, do you ship your meat or do you ship in your food or is everything just at the stores? We're, we're not shipping right now. Everything's at the stores. We're shipping our retail products. We're, um, we're shipping our sauces, our T-shirts, hats, mm-hmm. uh, our rubs. We're shipping those right now. And uh, we're, we have a book coming out spring 21, um, uh, Rodney Scott's World of Barbecue, Every Day's a Good Day. Uh, that's due out. You can pre-order that on Amazon. And uh, 
we, 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 we're excited to share what we got with the world. Right now, you have to come and see us, but hey, we're working on it. We're trying to put one in well, your back. Well, you know, you and you in Australia, man, in Russia, they 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 won't want something besides a little T-shirt there, my friend. But again, hey, uh, but again, I, you always got me excited about that sauce because you know your boy don't know nothing about no barbecue. So at least I can start with that sauce and, get, and that rub that you're selling down there and get that yeah. right on my meat, and we can get rolling we can from help there. You out. And dude, at least get that egg working right. And then take my time. Yeah. Take my time. Take my time. Yeah, take your time on that egg. Take your time on that <laughs> egg. Crack, crack the top about halfway. Get that baby at about two fifty to three hundred. Stay in that go. area. There you go. I love talking to an expert, Rodney. Thank you for calling Money Making Conversations. I appreciate. It. Hope you enjoyed the interview, man. It was awesome talking Thanks to all you. mine. My next guest, Inwaka Amusa, is a black woman working in a white man world, dominated. She's a starter. I'm telling you, I've done several interviews on Money Making Conversation. They say, you got to speak to Enwaka. You got to speak to her. She's, she's, she's the next level. Next level. So we're going to find out. She is the vice president and chief curator at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Enwaka is a music lover, a contemporary bohemian with an old soul. I mean, that's, that's young people. You know, you ever been around young people coming in the room and go, man, she 10, but she talked like she 40? <laughs> that's that's who but you know we'll talk to her she can be talking like she like she's Cicely Tyson that's what she'll be we're actually going to be interviewing Cicely Tyson on the show today that's her soul that's how spirited she is in her 90s at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Walker develops informative immersive exhibits celebrates the diversity of musical expression during this period of civil unrest music has its role especially from a historical perspective please welcome to Money Making Conversation in Walker and Wusa. Is that right? Did I say right? Yes. Waka. Thank you. Silent N. Yes, I am right. Once you get past the name, we all good in Waka. Come on now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I'm honored to be. This is crazy. Just listening to the intro. I'm like, damn. All right. Come on now. But I'm going to tell you I have been like, you know, and I've interviewed, I've been fortunate and blessed with the show because I've been doing it and interviewing a lot of great people. And and when the name starts popping up, they go, Rashawn, if you interview in Waka, man, she on fire. I said, okay, cool, okay. Mm. So, but then everybody kept, you know, no, she, you know, she got that old spirit, you know, she, you know, she, she, she young, but she talked like she about fifty, you know. What I'm saying? <laughs> oh, so, 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 tell us about that old soul and this young body. Oh, Talk God. about that, and, oh, and why people, God. why people are so engaged with your personality. I know that's that's a lot to say because you know your your spirit wasn't wasn't designed to just talk about yourself, but when people talk right. about you. You have to be delivering something to them that made them excited and made them respectful mm. to make you a recommendation. That's all you want in life. You want people to right. recommend you. To that's like a good. That's there like a credit go. reference, right? So it so is talk, a great credit reference, right? <laughs> <laughs> so talk about it being the vice president, and chief curator, because yeah. that's a big word, curator. We're gonna get to that word in a minute. But just tell me yes. why people think so much of Inwaka. Oh, my God. Well, I, again, honored um, to be on this call and to be speaking with you. Um, I, you know what? I'm just going to leave it as um, it's the God in me. I'm just going to leave it at that because I don't have the full answer for that. But Mm -hmm. um, I know I'm passionate about my work and I can definitely blame that on my parents, um, both my mom and dad, um, hard workers, entrepreneurs. 
um, very strong work ethic. And that is what powers me. That's what fuels me. So, you know, I'm all about the work and let's just get it done. And um, having an opportunity to curate and put out different um, a, a number of different exhibits um, with different varying topics. Um, you know, probably that's what people are feeling, but definitely the passion. So I'm sure that that's what folks are feeling. And, and music <laughs> really is about passion. I know that I remember when I was a yes, kid. It is. I didn't. I didn't. I couldn't read, but I, I knew that I knew my mom's favorite music. That's boy. He can't read, mm-hmm. but he know about Johnny Taylor because I knew that <laughs> I, I could just see the words that they put on there. So I didn't yeah. know that said Johnny Taylor, but I knew those are the words you put together. That was my mom and dad's right. favorite music, and so because music mm-hmm. plays that role and it means so much to us. What does it mean to you? Gosh, um, music is definitely a lifeline. Like what you said, you don't have to speak the same language. You don't need to read. Um, music is just one of those things where, you know, you are, you are moved. You, the power of music, we hear these slogans, um, and it can sound cheesy at times, but to truly feel the power of music, um, it makes you cry, dance, laugh. Um, want to hit somebody. I mean, you got, you got all kinds of range of emotions, but music is just so powerful. And I love that that is truly the universal language. It really is what connects us. It doesn't matter where you're from, what walk you're walking. Um, I, that's what I love about music. I mean, the messages that are just in the, in the music. That's what is inspiring to me. It it was really interesting that, you know, because I look at my life, you know, and, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I I look at uh, how music has played a role and uh, my degree is in mathematics. And I can always remember AM radio was important to me. And and then Mm. as I I was touring on the road and stand up comic, certain songs would just keep me awake. You know, uh, keep me away. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Bruce Hornsby's at that first album he put out, uh, mm-hmm. Graceland by Paul Simon. Oh, wow. uh, you know, those those songs. Right. Uh, you know, uh, they, they and, I, and and now you know I got my Pandora, and I've and I've just got. I, if you listen to my Pandora, I got from Kim to Kurt Franklin to uh, <laughs> to uh, uh, to uh, Bruce Springsteen. You know, to come to, on now, to, uh, as it should be. You know, you know, right. you know that as that to me. Be. And then I got you know Florida, my house. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then yeah. I got, you know, uh, I rise, you know, uh, all your day. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so, right. and, and, like, and so that to me, when I listen to my, when I, when I go through that whole realm, I got Patty on there and I, and I just mm-hmm. go and I got, I got Willie Hutch on there, you know, it's just, it's just, it just, it just, it's so important. And then when you're mm-hmm. a, crea- a curator at the Rock and Roll Hall of right. Fame, that's like the Mecca right. where every everybody, every artist who's done music wants to get there, like the Basketball Hall of Fame, like the Pro Football right. Hall of Fame. They want to get there. Right. And you Wanna are the there. VP and the curator. Explain that. Oh my God. Explain that role and then explain <laughs> if there are pressure, what is the pressure of being that person? Mm. You know, I... I'm still pinching myself. So this is a recent promotion um, mm-hmm. that's happened for me at the Rock Hall. And again, just to be a curator, to your point, Rashawn, as you were saying, just to even work at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and um, be a curator there really, I mean, 
was a dream I didn't even know I had, Mm -hmm. um, to be quite honest, you know, so to be there, I mean, we are running the narrative. We, as curators, what curators do, we're writing the stories. We are the storytellers. You know, you have filmmakers who are sharing stories. You have novelists who are sharing stories. Well, curators tell that story in the physical space, um, regardless if it's an art museum to a music museum. And so I'm happy to be there to shift, um, the narrative to, um, provide even more inclusion about amazing um, musicians and you know and just to do that work so it, it, it really is my citadel I watch Game of Thrones and I just really I'm honored like it's my it's, I feel like I'm a meister in the citadel like it, it's just such an honor the collection um, is just beyond dope I mean going over geez over 30,000 40,000 different artifacts collected mm. um, that are so impactful huh. to musical history um, to the fabric of who we are I mean there's you know I'm kind of going all over the place I'm just excited about this well, you, well, the, the mean, thing about it is that yeah. no you're not because <laughs> when you when you walk in and you're in the heaven mm-hmm. you know it's like it's like the, no different than uh, I'm sure when they put the uh, African American uh, museum together there's so many artifacts, right. and, it's, right. and it, some made right. you cry, some made you emotional, mm-hmm. some made you, I can't mm-hmm. believe this, yeah. uh, I didn't right. know. And that's why I, I started our conversation just talking about music in general, because you can't yeah. have this job being a singular thought person, you know, uh, nope. I just like country. I just like a rock right. and roll. I just like rap. Mm-hmm. You have to have a palette of music. That like I was talking about, you know, like I said, I'm a Tupac guy, you know what I'm saying? Right. You know, but I listen to Snoop too, you know. I, Mm -hmm. you know, there we go. Like I said, when Grace like that, you know, you can call me Al. I can just remember that video Mm -hmm. with Chevy Chase and Paul Simon, like it's Mm -hmm. playing on TV right now today. You know, you got to be born in the USA. You know, you know, you got to be able to understand that's just some of the songs, but it's even deeper than that. And so that is even deeper. And with you being, you know, a person of color, people can question whether you should be in that position. Absolutely. You know, I will. I mean, a number of experiences, um, but one of them rings out so poignantly for me. I've started my career, my curating career. Um, a museum career for that um, fact um, at the Grammy Museum in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there was an exhibit specifically, I remember right now, was called The Sounds of Laurel Can- uh, Canyon, California Dreaming. And that, you know, you're talking about Buffalo Springfield and Joni Mitchell. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you're hitting on all of these really phenomenal bands. Um, predominantly white bands, mm-hmm. um, and you know, doing my research, knowing the photographers, know who are the key players with this movement. But I remember, I will not forget, there was a um, a writer who came in and like, you know, number one, they were looking for Waka. Right. My name is kind of <laughs> ambiguous. So like, who is Waka? Where is she? Mm-hmm. Um, they were looking for a Japanese woman. Right. One. Right. So that mm-hmm. was already mm-hmm. uh, that was like, okay, nah, she's black. Um, mm-hmm. And, and yeah, so why not know him Osaka, okay, okay she's Osaka, right. okay. Right. Gotta okay. be Japanese. Right. <laughs> right. Gotta be Japanese. Be That's close um, to it. That's close right. to it. <laughs> That's close. So, hey, we all connected from the continent. So, um, mm-hmm. so they're looking for a Japanese woman, um, and they find out that I'm black. And so the feedback was just like, damn, um, wow. And so to even to your intro, like, wow, so you've curated this Laurel Canyon exhibit, and you're black. And I was about 30 or 29 or something at that okay. point. Actually, you were 50. You were 50 in spirit, well, I though. I was 50, okay? <laughs> <laughs> right. 
we go. So 50 in spirit. And that's when that came out. And that's how that was manifested. But yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, I like, I like, I like having an ambiguous name. I like if people can't tell if I'm a male or a female or, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I love that. Um, just let the work speak for itself. So they came not knowing, oh, I was a black woman. Um, they came because, hey, this is a dope topic and it's timely for that time, you know, for that period. Um, but let's just check it out. But, right. um, but yeah, yeah, let's just check it out because this is interesting. It, it's really amazing when I, you know, when I say that, I, I I find so much fun, you know, first of all, your energy and you came so, mm-hmm. you know, so I know the people I talk to, they, they have personalities and they're very opinionated yeah. people. When they say, man, you need to talk to them, she's she on fire. <laughs> It's okay. Can we just can we just stop? Can we can, can interviewing you? I gotta edit all that out. Okay. Right. <laughs> that ain't part of the interview. Let it out. And so yes, and so yes, when, when I look at when I look at you, you said you started the Grammy Museum. Okay. Tell us mm-hmm. about your your you know, because people want to know how you get these gigs, you know. Well, did you right. can you sing? Can you your spoken word artist? Can you play an mm-hmm. instrument? Uh or was mm-hmm. your degree? Did you go to college major in music or art? Right. What what, what right. are those key things that got you in this position? at the Grammy Museum and now at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as the vice president mm. and curator, mm. chief, mm. No, excuse me, oh chief curator, CC, oh. she's a CC oh. at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> just give people, just CC her. Who's that? No, the chief curator. Okay. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, well, the long short um, is essentially, I just will say is my title thing is just stepping out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no idea. Again, I'm a daughter of an immigrant mother from the South. Like I had no idea what a curator was. So that was not my initial aspiration, mm-hmm. nor did I truly understand the, um, the impact of museums. Um, you know, at a younger age for someone to say, hey, you know, I'm going in with, as a bachelor's, you know, as an undergrad with museum studies. It was not, that was not me. Um, so again, my passion just for music in general, not having access to it um, because I grew up in a very Pentecostal home where we were only listening to gospel music. I mm. mean, maybe some, maybe some James Brown, you know, some obviously some uh, Supreme, a lot of Motown mm-hmm, um, in mm-hmm. general. So I was able to at least be introduced to these foundational um, musicians and pillars in our music. Come on, you know, my dad, look, my dad being Nigerian, we got the Bob Marley, of course, and Kayla and all of these, you know, really I don't want to rest in the bed, <laughs> no, no, no. Come on, oh, that's my jam. That's my jam, girl. You better stop that. We're going to do it like a name that tune in a minute. You know what I'm saying? I'm a, I might hurt okay. you. I might go get yourself hurt on money making conversations. Please don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. But, you know, just truly stepping out of my comfort zone is, is how I got started at the Grammy Museum from, you know, stepping up to volunteering myself to curate my first exhibit, which is called Hip Hop, A Cultural Odyssey, and just to really launch out and reach and connect different artists and uh, managers and publicists. This is a whole business. When you're working in a music museum, it's interesting because you know, your foot is in the music industry to an extent and your foot is in the museum world. Right. Um, so, so I love that that makes things so interesting. Um, so to grow in that and just learn and working with such a, a prominent organization like the Recording Academy, um, definitely 
you know, now looking at it, I mean, because I did not write this script, um, but looking at it now to be at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is such an honorable um, progression in my career. And I'm just, uh, look, I started out in the box office working part time. Okay. Um, I look, okay. So that's the real, you know, the real deal. And I was like, damn, okay. So I can, I can do this and love music as much as I do. Like, so yes, I do sing, play a mean old tambourine. Don't have me come <laughs> on your, uh, on your show and do that. You had to bring me on for that. As, as another thing. Be, but, be hurting um, your hip. Be hurting your hip, girl. <laughs> right. <laughs> But, you know, starting out, just taking chances. I, I had no idea what the Grammy Museum had to offer. But, again, putting in the work, starting from the bottom, hustling and growing and seeing how how the institution works, how it's built. Um, and seeing that from the doors, um, I think I had the best view in that institution from um, from being a ticket taker. So that was really interesting. Like, I had the ticket master background and knew how to build shows and all of that. So I... Again, just utilizing all of my talents, then my passion for the music, passion for education, um, all of those things were able to be um, used in one place. And that's how I was like, wow, this is this is the thing. This is it for me. All of the other ideas that I thought I had for myself um, kind of went out the window. You know, I wanted to be an attorney. I wanted to be an entertainment lawyer. And I'm like, I still get to deal with um, lawyers and attorneys all the time with the states and dealing with contracts. So I get to, you know, scratch that itch, you know, um, the music part again, that's daily. Um, but there's just so much that I get to do in this role. And I'm honored and really in the education component of it, was excited to share my path and my journey with you to know that, you know, you don't have to know everything. Uh, you don't know, need to know what you want to be leaving college, leaving right out of high school or whatever it is, and especially in today's climate. But to know that you can find a career in a museum or, um, you know, in these odd, odd places and these unique jobs, there's, there's work to be done. And now with COVID, we're learning that there's so much to be done. Um, we're just evolving the way we create at this point. So, you know, um, you're listening to Money Making Conversations with Rashawn McDonald. We'll be right back. Cars today are like a computer on wheels, but you can't fix any of these new features yourself. So when something breaks, it could cost you a fortune. And now is not the time for expensive repairs. That's why you need Car Shield. Car Shield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for a cover repair, including computers. GPS, electronics, and more. CarShield understands payment flexibility is a must. Plans are customizable and as low as $99 a month. No long-term contracts or commitment. Plus, you get to pick your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work, and CarShield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed. CarShield is America's number one auto protection company. For as low as $99 a month, you can protect yourself from surprises and save thousands. Call one 800 Car 6000. They mentioned code money, M O N E Y. Or visit carshield.com and use code money, M O N E Y, to save 10%. That's carshield.com, code money. A deductible may apply. Welcome back to Money Making Conversations. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. You yeah. know, it, it's really amazing um, when I 
when I interview people, I, I, I look at my life, you know, because it, it starts mm-hmm. someplace why these people force need to be heard. And my minor in college, like my degree is in mathematics. My minor was in sociology, mm-hmm. sociology. Oh, and that's your degree. Come on, and I, I, and I always tell people that sociology changed my life, you know, because of the fact that it made me realize what, why we're all fighting right now, that so mm-hmm. much was denied educationally in my high school career, my middle school career. They just stopped. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, mm-hmm. you know, they brought us over as slaves. They freed us. Mm-hmm. And then they swung forward to Brown versus the Board of Education. Then they went to mm-hmm. Martin Luther King. He got assassinated. And that was it. That was our black history. And that's right. our that was our black right. participation in this country, according to the people who allowed that information to be out because they didn't want to let anybody know how we were mistreated. Like, and that's what the right. that's what I respect about the Jewish community. They got their story told. Mm-hmm. The Jewish people they mm-hmm. telling their story. They're they letting everybody right. know what the Germans did and with the Holocaust was. Don't you don't you try to mask right. this? Y'all did this to us. Right. And so what right. is happening with right. blacks in America? And when you when I took that sort of it brought me to tears. I realized I didn't know. I didn't know because uh-huh. nobody allowed that information to be shared with me. Come on now. Come on now. And so That's it. I, I, and whenever I meet a, a fellow sociology major or minor person, it's a certain kinship mm-hmm. because guess what? You know what I know. You know the pain yes. that I'm talking about. You know the anger that I'm talking right. about. The disappointment, right. I have to say, in the American uh, educational system, denying information. Absolutely. Come, Come on, on now. And Come that's on. true. And then and then when you look at it, too, I'm like the role that we play in what we do in society is really to just be truth tellers, to really break the truth in whatever it is. I mean, that's Nina now. Simone's quote, to be to be a reflection of the times. And that's why yeah. I love okay, we I can mean, break bread. Me and you, me and you can know, break some bread. You know what I'm saying? Look, look, we can break it. Let's do it. You because, know, and have some wine with because, it. But, you know, and it and it's and it's so true. I mean, and whatever your career path is, be be an activist in that. And that's where I was like, hey, we can change the narrative. We can share stories that have never been told or highlight musicians whose stories aren't out there. The Laverne Bakers of the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's share those stories. Let's talk about those stories and to be able to do that like you're doing through your show, to do that in a museum like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or the Grammy Museum or whoever, the Smithsonian, it's, it's an honor to write that history that people can then go back and have another and a, a fresh perspective based on something that you were able to, to introduce. I think that's powerful. Well, it's, 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 talking to you is powerful. Talking to, mm. you know, why I, why I started this show, every interview I go, I get more relaxed, I get more honest about, because, you know, you start mm-hmm. an idea. Everything starts with an idea. You don't know if people buy into yeah. it and, they, and people, right. and, and, you know, I remember when I first started the show, you know, I didn't know if they was calling me because they, they know I knew famous people like Steve Harvey. I was managing him or mm-hmm. already calling because Rashawn McDonald, they wanted hair. They wanted to buy into what I was trying to say. And so now this mm-hmm. changed. The people are understanding my message is about them. You know, you're the star. You know, you but you know, mm-hmm. but it's a star in a different lane because everybody used to the stars and on television and the film. Right. But the right. stars are the entrepreneurs. Stars are the people with the machines, the the the, the, mm-hmm. the people who we call the the movers and the shakers of this business who sometimes are in yeah. private planes and the people who you consider a star still on first class, you know, and that's Come how on, the, right. this business is great. I'm talking to, uh, let me reset the state. I'm talking to the vice president. 
and chief mm-hmm. curator, cu- curator, I call mm-hmm. her CC, mm-hmm. at the Rock and Roll <laughs> Hall of Fame in Cleveland. You know, see, I'm just telling y'all yeah. this. I, I'm just catching her on the um, on the uh, on the uh, on the rise, just on the rise, because mm-hmm. you know she was yeah. just they, she was, Cleveland just did a big spread on her. A few days ago, she said, "Yes, you, 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 you're right. That's how you know all that <laughs> stuff. How you know all that? Because see, see I know because see, you are you. I'm not the person pro- 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 proclaiming you as the next big star in this, in this, in this. When I say a perfect time, she's mm. black." Mm. She's beautiful. Mm. She's informative. She's oh. educated. She has a resume. You. you know, I always tell people, you know, you, 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 the next step is president. See, see you, hey, you vice president. Look, there see, we go. See, you're not down right. there at the, uh, you know, you're not down there selling tickets no more. You know what I'm saying? And I like her because okay. she got two titles. You know what I'm saying? She walk right. around the room. Just in case she get bored of being a VP, let me go just be a chief creator right quick. <laughs> <laughs> what y'all doing over here? Chief creator is in the room. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> so so let's let's tell everybody oh, what a chief <laughs> curator is. It's not some 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 contraption in your oh, kitchen to make oh, bread. God. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's not a blender no, that you can not. buy on late no. night TV. Okay, what is it? It's not a Vitamix uh, 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 juicer. Oh, what is God. a chief curator? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Gather yourself. Oh, Gather yourself. <clears throat> yes, but uh, essentially, <laughs> the, the the Webster dictionary term for curator is is truly just the keeper of the collection or um, the custodian of the museum. So I'm overseeing uh, the entire curatorial affairs division, mm-hmm. and so that's from our library and archives um, into our collections, into our curators and. Preparators, and I mean, it's a it's a team that makes all of this move and work. So um, I am managing that team, overseer of that, um, and making sure that you know the narratives and the stories, the artifacts that we collect um, are relevant, are powerful, um, and are making sure that we're keeping the museum um, moving forward, keeping the community moving forward, keeping our perspectives. Um, moving forward. So I'm, again, honored to be in this role, like to be a gatekeeper even is just an honor. So, so yeah, that's, that's my job as, as chief curator. <laughs> How I would define it. How I would define it. Now that I done came down, you got me cackling over here. I need some water. Like, I need some water. <laughs> okay. Uh, 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 chief curator. <laughs> Your latest exhibit has been said all along, has been said all along with voices of rage, hope and empowerment. Uh, share with us yeah. you know, what that is about and why it's important, because when I, we, we started out talking about the importance of music and and you was like mm-hmm. you said, walking in. How do you get the information? How do you how does information come to you or, or, or records come to you or guitars come to you or jackets come to you? Because all this is a part mm-hmm. of the, the process of what should be in the in the museum and why it's important to put in the museum because aren't Mm -hmm. you kind of like limited on your space because the building is a certain size and and then you say okay Mm -hmm. I'm stuck what do I what I put it does I just put it on video now how do you continue to grow your brand right um you're completely a thousand percent correct that we have a finite space of 
of what we can, you know, exhibit in the museum, um, a finite number of galleries in the museum and a growing collection, um, which is absolutely beautiful to have a, a you know, a, a solid permanent collection that can help to tell, tell a story like it's been said all along. Um, I was really grateful to be able to just pull artifacts from our collection that have either never been on display before mm-hmm. um, or to, you know, go out and, and look for new artifacts to help um, further the conversation with newer artists um, who are making music now and who are our new um, crooners and culture shifters of today um, and to continue to tell that story. So, you know, it, in this world, in this co- curating through COVID, as I call it, mm-hmm. um, which is something that we're all doing, um, is recurating how we reach people. So to do things virtually now, um, virtual exhibits, you know, was something that museums played with, but it's now something that we're having to rely more heavily on just because, you know, tourism is down. Museums are closed um, permanently or, you know, temporarily. So mm-hmm. we have to find new ways of reaching our audience. So to go beyond the gallery space, to go beyond 10,000 square feet or 7,000 square feet um, and make it virtual where the globe can see the work and, and learn from it and be inspired and moved by it. That's really powerful. So we are shifting to a more digital um, experience that we create for our visitors. Um, but you did ask me about, it's been said all along, Voices of Rage, Hope and Empowerment. And that really was birthed out of, I'm calling it our civil rights of this new millennium. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the civil rights movement of 2020, um, mm-hmm. where, you know, these, uh, the killing, the murders um, right. of, you know, black bodies, let's just call it what it is. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the murders of black bodies, the the musicians who have risen to the occasion to lend their voice and put their bodies on the line um, musically, um, putting their careers on the line by speaking up and speaking out um, during such a critical time um, and to continue to, to pass on those messages and narratives that inspire this new generation. Because when you look at it historically in every war, going back to civil wars, revolutionary wars, the musicians, the bands always went out first. Come on those now. trumpets and those horns were facing the soldiers. Those people who are on the front lines, the music was always a part of the narrative. It is a part of our cultural shift. Like every revolution has a soundtrack. So from Martin Luther King having marching arm in arm with Mavis Staples or the Staples Singers or, you know, uh, Isaac Hayes being in the mix or whoever. I mean, from the the, the Marvin Gaye. The music is uh, Marvin Gaye. Far too many of us Come on. I mean, the whole thing, um, music has always played a critical part. So to anyone who I say who wants to diminish that, um, you got to be blind and disillusioned. I mean, so that's why this exhibit is called It's Been Said All Along, mm-hmm. highlighting black voices um, who have been speaking out about injustice and inequality and for equal rights. One of the things that I love about managing our collection and being so new to Cleveland and to the Rock Hall is that I'm discovering things maybe that um, the staff may have forgotten about or, you know, they may have seen it. So it's fresh to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really nice to pull out these things that are in our vault. Um, we have these beautiful lyrics written by uh, James Brown. We always typically hear, you know, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. Right. We mm-hmm. don't hear the other anthem 
don't open up the door for me uh, or you know i don't need nobody to open up the door i know that's all get it myself you know come on now we have the lyrics we have the lyrics i know that's all anthem i get it myself lyrics to it i get it myself i don't need nobody to i don't need you to do this for me so i mean we have those lyrics that those are affirmations those are messages of of um strength of rage of hope empowerment and so that's where i wanted us to you know we go through these transitions of rage hope and empowerment and still come out resilient um the photos that are even on display in this exhibit are primarily from black photographers um, some who people may know, some who they may not, um, including Chuck Stewart, um, who is phenomenal, um, who shot the, the album cover for Gil Scott Heron and, and for that single, uh, The Revolution Will Not Be Televised. Mm. Uh, I mean, there, uh, Johannesburg. Girl, Joe, I'm, come on now. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. Look, just, you yeah. make me mad, girl. I want to just follow uh, you around. I just want to be like, oh, yo, a little bitty black man on your shoulders. Just walking around. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, 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 oh. And Walker, turn right, turn right. Ooh, girl. Girl. Who are you talking to, Walker? Nobody, nobody, nobody. Oh, yeah, shut, no. shut up, shut up. I told you I can't let you in here. They find out you on my shoulder, they're going to knock you off. Oh, because every time you talk, I'm just, oh, that song. That's, oh, I'm, I'm just dropping a word, a lyric on you. Because, girl, that, yeah. that's, that is a beautiful thing to be part of. Of history, living history, and being able to living history. Oh my god! Right? Oh my god! Oh no, my god. it's it's absolutely beautiful. So it is it is you know a celebration of the past, but while we are also looking at the the musicians, the songwriters, the creators of the future, um, to you know be inspired by their work as well. So that's you know essentially what that exhibit is but it was it was such a powerful thing to do mm -hmm. um you know during that time and it's a great way again to to make sure that these artists are continued to be talked about in these institutions in uh, in the rock and roll hall of fame um again holding holding voices and holding leaders accountable i mean these stories and narratives should always exist um within our institutions so um i'm doing my due diligence as as cc um, <laughs> to make sure chief curator sure for the people who don't know <laughs> the people who don't know um, but to make sure that these stories are are always in the narrative because the important thing that you said like like you said not knowing about um, these important moments in our wow. history and learning about them in school and your undergrad and your sociology and your Afro studies and, I'm and tell you to something. be awakened don't know. by them. I'm going to tell you something, Marco. You know what I'm talking about. When you started, you going, for real? For real? Mm -hmm. It was like, it was like, it was, it was, it was, mm -hmm. it was tragic information for me. Because I was one of these guys who well read, smart. I'm one of those, one of the know it all right. guys. And I, I was right. going like, you kidding me? You got to be mm. kidding me. This got to be a lie. Right. This can't be the truth. Right. So it is so much information that is denied of everybody, right. white people, Hispanics, right. blacks, especially, mm -hmm. that when you hear mm -hmm. it being told to you, go, oh, this is some black stuff. This is some, this is some made right. up. This is some fake news. Uh -huh. Ain't no way black people did uh -huh. all this. And right. they got crushed. But we did. We did. Right. We did. Mm. We did. And to mm. see that I have a beautiful, as they say, black queen up there the <laughs> vice president aka cc chief creator 
at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland. Now, I know you've been to Slammons, yes. right? Got to go to Slammons and get you some sandwiches up there in Cleveland. Yes, I have been to Slammons. I've been to Slammons once. I did. You know what see, see, that's why oh me God. and you go get along. See what I'm saying? <laughs> that's why me. But as soon as this pandemic, I'm going to get on. The, um, I'm, I ain't going to lie. Cleveland ain't too much I got to do up there. But I'm going to get up there to Cleveland. <laughs> look, come on, look, come on. Well, look, now, now the weather is taking a turn. You know, look, fall, mm-hmm. is, fall is up well, on but us. No, but, but no, no, no. I love yeah. cold weather. I, I lived in Chicago oh, five right. years. I got clothes mm-hmm. that I can't even. I'm in Atlanta now. I got clothes. Oh, you just, are? Oh, they just sit, okay. they just sit in my They just sit in my closet because I have no reason to put them on right now. Because okay, the weather. the weather. no reason to come to Cleveland. Oh, yeah. But to yeah, Cleveland, yeah. I, walk, I step out on the plane. People look at me like, I'm. oh, he's just, no, he ready. He ready. He ready for everything. <laughs> he ready for everything. But, you know, the, the beauty of why I brought you on the show is to let the world know about you because you are a rising Thank star. You. you are a representative of what we need. People who are willing to share Thank the information. You. But more importantly, respect it. Not because of the color of your skin, but who you are. Because he, the color of your skin would have stopped you. Who you are mm-hmm. got you to your job. And that's what important we that we need to understand. That's the narrative that's being discussed on Money Making Conversation today. I want to thank you. You know, it's 31 minutes. We got to stop talking. So I don't know why oh, people God. come on the show. Dang, I tell wow. them, I tell them 28 minutes. They be just talking, just talking, just talking. And we can talk at this 32 minutes. I ain't taking no blame for this, y'all. And Walker can talk. That's why she got the job. The girl don't know how to stop talking. She don't know how to stop talking. People up here, they probably walking around with earplugs on. They probably walking around with earplugs on. She oh, talked too much. Probably. Probably. I do love to talk. Look, probably. You ain't lying. Thank you so much for having me, though. Truly honored for you recognizing me and um, and just for all those voices who are, who are rooting for me as well. Thank you so I'm much. rooting. And you stay safe. We talk soon. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Oh, if you want to hear more Money Making Conversation interviews, please Please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I'm your host. We'll be right back with more from Rashawn McDonald and Money Making Conversations. Don't touch that dial. Organ donations save lives, and some organs can even be donated by a living donor. August is National Minority Donor Awareness Month, so let's check in with Dr. Danae Simpson, Assistant Professor of Surgery at Northwestern Medicine. Tell us about the African American Transplant Access Program. So this is my baby. This is a program that I have dreamt about creating since I became interested in transplant as a trainee. And it's a program designed to address the significant disparities that our African-American patients face. The program is designed to educate patients about transplant, let them know what transplant can provide to them, and to help them access the resources that they find so scarce and so challenging to access in order to get them on the transplant path and back to, you know, some type of meaningful life. For more information, visit nm.org slash radio. Hi, I'm Rashawn McDonald, the host of Money Making Conversation. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award is a celebration of black men who are making a difference in our community by empowering others to reach their life goals. From civic leaders, businessmen, activists, celebrities, and everyday dads, the Cafe Mocha Swag Award winner this week is Dr. John N. Singer. He is the Associate Professor of Sports Management and Associate Dean for Diversity and Inclusion in the College of Education and Human Development at Texas A&M. Dr. John N. Singer is about enriching and transforming lives through education. His book, Race, Sports, and Education, is about improving opportunities and outcomes for black male college athletes. It was just important for me to to write about what I knew and what I was most passionate about at this moment in my my career. I'm very hard on the system and, and my critique of it 
but I'm also uh, cognizant of the fact that the individual has to step up and make it their education a priority and an activist pursuit. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award represents men who have strength, whose wisdom is assertive, and who is genuine in their spirit. Welcome back to Money Making Conversations. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. My next welcome, everybody. My next guest is George Frazier. I call him Dr. George C. Frazier. He's the chairman and CEO of Frazier Net, a company founded over 30 years ago. Dr. George C. Frazier is a renowned networking guru, business leader, author, and entrepreneur who is regarded as one of the most foremost respected authorities on entrepreneurship and building generational wealth and economic empowerment for the black community. He will be talking about his annual power networking conference, plus give us some great value about how we can be successful in our own everyday life. Please welcome back to Money Making Conversation, Dr. George C. Frazier. Oh, God bless you. Good to hear you. <laughs> I love the. I've always, I've always loved the energy in your voice. Uh, hell, you motivate me, and I'm a motivator. Uh, well, you know I, that always a compliment because you know you, you. It's like you know. I'm sure when Michael Jordan got on the court, and I call you Michael Jordan. Now, it ain't Rashawn McDonald. I, I just throw myself to be a little bit. Uh, I'm not even gonna say LeBron. I'm not even LeBron. <laughs> but you, Michael Jordan, Dr. George Frazier, understand that oh, man. Well respected in this business of entrepreneurship because. You all know, like now, entrepreneurs are some almost become a fad, just like the word branding has become a fad. But you know, you started this whole networking and a relationship before it was even vogue. Talk about the high wars when we started the Fraser networking and now how it is now, especially with social media being so prevalent in the process of networking. Yeah, that that's an excellent point, Rashawn. Uh, social media has helped all of us mm-hmm. to stay connected, to get connected, uh, and to leverage uh, more effectively our collective resources and intellectual capital. And uh, I, so I love it. It has really helped uh, mm-hmm. to spread the word about economic development and wealth creation. It helped us, in fact, to understand the, the rules for for financial success. I mean, I, I, I say there are three basic rules. There are three basic rules um, that will, if you're looking for financial freedom, if you follow these three basic rules, there's no way that you can go wrong. Rule number one, your rent or mortgage should be less than what you make in a week. I cannot tell you how many black people are house poor. Your rent or mortgage should be no more than you make in a week. So if you have a two household income, you combine the income for a week and your rent or mortgage should be no more than that. That's number one. Number two, only borrow money to make money. So yes, you can borrow money to buy a house because if you keep your house, it is going to make money. There's nothing wrong with that. If you're borrowing money to buy a car, unless you're turning that car into a useful and utilitarian tool to help you make money, get back and forth to work or do whatever you need to do, uh, that's a good thing. But it's a depreciating asset, Rashawn, because the moment you buy that car, if you turn that car around and try to take it back to the dealer to get what you paid for, you would not get it. It'd be a fight. It'd be a fight on the showroom floor. (laughs) That's right. right. Same thing with diamonds, Rashawn. Mm -hmm. You can buy you a beautiful diamond bracelet if you turned around and try to sell it back uh, to the jeweler, but what you just paid for it, you will not get it. So borrow money 
to make more money and figure out whatever you're borrowing money for, how are you going to get something in return for your investment? And that's what you expect. Uh, you expect a return on your investment. That's so that's number two. And number three, this is deep. As your income increases, your cost of living should decrease or stay the same. Stop living, brothers and sisters, above your means. Mm -hmm. Stop living, which means you're spending more than you earn. Stop living even within your means, which means you're spending everything you earn, um, and live below your means and invest the rest. Right. So as your income increases, your cost of living should either decrease or stay the same. Do not raise your cost of living because you got to raise. Take that difference between what you were earning and what you're now earning and invest it. Don't spend it. And the, per the first person you invest in is you. Tithe. To you right. first, take the money off the top. Don't spend what you have to spend to pay your bills and then invest what you got left. No, 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 no. Invest in you first. And then uh, if you follow these three rules, there's no way that you cannot land on financial freedom. So and that's, so that's what, and that's what yeah. we're all talking about, financial freedom, because the, we, really, right. we really that's found right. out how free we were not during this COVID-19. That's right. That's and, uh, right. That's especially right. in the there's black six, community, the brown community. Mm -hmm. Rashawn, there's six habits that will keep us broke. There's six habits that will keep you broke, right? Not talking about money, right? Not We don't talk about it in school. We generally don't talk about it around the family table. That'll keep you broke. You've got to talk about money, understand capitalism, understand money. So talking about money will help prevent you from keeping broke. Talking about it around the family table, talking about it among your friends is more important than what, uh, what what's happening on Real Housewives of Atlanta, okay? Mm -hmm. Number two, failing to build an emergency fund. Now, we've all been taught that we need to save some money for a rainy day. Well, this is gonna be a rainy two years. This pandemic, now I know everybody can relate to this. Absolutely. This pandemic has changed our whole financial mindset in terms of what we needed to have put back for a long rainy day and what we actually had put back. So failing to build an emergency fund for more than six months, I would look at it now for at least a year. What does it take for you to live to maintain your standard of living for at least 12 months, right? And make sure that you have that as cash available to you. Number three, making impulse purchases. Let me say it a different way. I would rather carry a plastic bag with $5,000 in it than to carry a $5,000 Louis Vuitton bag with $100 in it. Stop making impulse purchases, right? Because that's going to drain you of your cash available. Number four, buying items you don't need because they're on sale. Now, I have to chastise my wife often about this. Donald, why do you buy? Well, it was on sale. I said, but you already got three of them. Yes. Right? Yes. So buying stuff 
that you don't need. Manage your impulse buying. Mm -hmm. And number five, paying bills late because of the exorbitant interest rates when you pay your bills late, especially those credit cards. Man, you look at the annual interest rate on these credit cards, and if you're paying the minimum that you have to pay each month, on the, you will never pay that credit card off. That minimum you're is a trick move. Interest. That minimum That's monthly right. payment is a trick move. Woo. That's right. Absolutely. You'll never pay it off. Right? So don't pay your bills late. Don't pay the minimums. Always pay more. I, I try to pay double to triple the minimum. Five Same a good here. month, I might, I might pay 25% of what, uh, of what I owe. Yes. So that's number five. Don't pay bills late and don't pay minimums as you, is the beautiful point you made. Mm -hmm. And number six, the improper use of credit cards. The improper use of credit cards. 15 years ago, I cut up all of my, I have no credit cards. What I have are debit cards that are attached to my bank account, Rashawn, mm -hmm. and I cannot spend any more than I have in my damn checking account. Mm -hmm. So you know what I'm thinking about every time I use my debit card, and I got I got three or four of them, because uh, I have various banks for various needs, but I can never spend any more than I have available right now. Right. So improper use of so these are habits that keep us broke. And we are also the most financially illiterate people mm -hmm. in America. Mm -hmm. uh, we are at the bottom of every single statistic that matters in this country economically. And so we need to educate ourselves, educate our children. This is related to talking about money. And as a result of that, as a responsible leader uh, in this country, as you are, um, we started our WINS Wealth Building Centers mm -hmm. um, to, to, to address financial illiteracy in black America. Because if the business of America is business, it is dangerous, Rashawn, and self-defeating to be financially illiterate. Therefore, education is the answer. The key to a well-rounded financial education is to align people's mindsets, their habits, their values, and solutions with the importance of the overall goals of black America, or according to numerous analytical statistics and studies and predictions, we will ultimately, if we don't fix our financial badass habits, right, we will be relegated to permanent second-class citizenry, and we will end up in a second slavery. So we develop uh, in uh, 2018, the WINS Wealth Building Centers and Curriculum to ad address, uh, among other things, the psychology, uh, the emotions, and our relationship with money in both the secular and non-secular uh, black organizations, both the church and, and other black organizations. And we're sharply focusing uh, on our deep-seated struggle with instant versus delayed gratification. It's one of the very bad habits that we have. And we, we're, we're struggling with uh, the basics of financial growth uh, to include, but uh, is not limited to the four pillars for the intergenerational transfer of wealth. That is the essence of our WINS financial centers. And awesome. we've got over 20 churches already involved with our curriculum and with our program. And those four pillars for the intergenerational, I don't have time to unpack them. Uh, this is what people are going to learn at the Virtual Power Networking Conference, October the 28th uh, through the 30th. Mm -hmm. But the four pillars, very 
simply are the proper management of accumulated wealth so that we can stop reading about entertainers and uh, athletes that earn $100 million in their career and within five years they're either broke or in bankruptcy. The second pillar is real estate ownership, both residential and uh, commercial real estate is a cornerstone for the intergenerational transfer of wealth. The fourth one is business development. Uh, we are the consumption class in this country. Uh, white folks are the merchant class. They make stuff and we buy stuff. Stop doing that, brothers and sisters. If you sell something, sell something. In America, two things are going on 24-7. Somebody's buying and somebody's selling. Right? Uh, we're doing all the damn buying. So if you make cookies, so, you know, put them in a box, put your name on it, and sell it to somebody, right? right? If you live on a farm, take the manure, put it in a bag, put your name on it, and sell it to somebody. You can become an entree manure, okay? <laughs> Stop doing all the damn buying and sell something. This is extremely important. On this, I'll give one final little quote by Bishop Tudor. Bishop Tudor Bismarck, he wrote a wonderful book called Kingdom economics. Right. And I'm going to quote him. And he says, as black people, we have embarked mm -hmm. upon a new millennium. And this millennium brings momentous change. We see differences in every facet of society, cultural shifts, economic upheavals, political changes, and more. As believers, it is imperative, not only must we be spiritually sound, but we must also establish a firm kingdom economic foundation. We must now unlock the keys to economic empowerment. Well, end of quote, I concur with that. And so I'm recommending that the brothers and sisters out there, if you belong to a church family, talk to your pastor, get in touch with us and put a Winds Wealth Building Center. It's a little license agreement and, and use our curriculum and start educating your congregation. You'll have a better congregation. You'll have a more uh, a financial free congregation. There'll be better tithers. There'll be better givers. So this is a very, very big and important idea that must be sustained over at least three or the next three or four generations. So that's, that's, important. that's, the, that's important. Yeah. You're listening to Money Making Conversations with Rashawn McDonald. We'll be right back. Cars today are like a computer on wheels, but you can't fix any of these new features yourself. So when something breaks, it could cost you a fortune. And now is not the time for expensive repairs. That's why you need CarShield. CarShield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for a cover repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. CarShield understands payment flexibility is a must. Plans are customizable and as low as $99 a month. No long-term contracts or commitment. Plus, you get to pick your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work and CarShield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed. CarShield is America's number one auto protection company. For as low as $99 a month, you can protect yourself from surprises and save thousands. Call 1-800-CAR-6000 and mention code money. M-O-N-E-Y or visit carshield.com and use code money M-O-N-E-Y to save 10%. That's carshield.com code money. A deductible may apply. Welcome back to Money Making Conversations. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. You know, yeah. you know, for 19 years, the Power Networking Conference has been the home of black entrepreneurs looking to connect. That's important when I say connect. 
grow and prosper. Forbes voted as voted it as one of the top five conferences in the world for entrepreneurs. They pride themselves on unique philosophy of networking, building a financial legacy for your grandchildren. And this is about the future. Now, the interesting thing about it, I was just involved in something with ESPN and HBCU week in 2019. I had it was a live event, George, and I had 3,500 students attend the live event college fair. This year it was virtual. And uh, and I was concerned about the response. Last year was 3,500 attend the HBCUE College Fair in 2019. This year, 6,125 pre-registered and 4,823 attended. I say that because if now went from like a regional event, a city event in Wilmington, Delaware, to I like to believe a global event. And I feel that we can look at the negative side of what COVID is doing to brick and mortar conferences. But I feel it's going to be a blessing for your power networking that it is now virtual. Correct. <laughs> I, if I was in, if I was in front of you, Rashawn, I would have hugged you. Because uh, you, you just snatched the thought and the words right out of my mind. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's downsides and there's upsides to everything. And the pandemic has changed us uh, a, a bit prematurely into a virtual world. Yes. There's mm-hmm. no question about it. And it ain't going away when the pandemic is over. Because this is so convenient and, and, and it's so easy. You can learn, you can connect with people in your bunny slippers and bathrobe. Okay? Yes. Mm-hmm. Virtually. Mm-hmm. And so this is why we couldn't give our live uh, virtual conference in Houston, Texas back in July. I mean, I would be stoned mm-hmm. if I took 1,500 people to Houston, Texas uh, uh, and they were, uh, uh, you know, in the red on 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 the pandemic. Right. So we had to turn it into a virtual conference, and now we are promoting it in sixty six countries around the world, <laughs> and we have already already three thousand people that have signed up for it okay i mean that's how awesome this is and you can we reach more people we can connect with more people we can educate more people we can encourage more people we can inspire more people it is awesome and it ain't going away and the reason i love it is because last year we launched at our conference the first virtual nation called Fraser Nation. It right. was a virtual. This is before the pandemic. So I'm not, you know, I'm not a soothsayer. I, I can't predict the future. I was not predicting a pandemic that would make everything go virtual. But I said, I think we could have a virtual nation. Right. And so what is this going to do? It's very simply, um, we're going to provide access uh, to overall training and coaching and modeling that is needed by our citizens and therefore help improve the recycling of black dollars and intellectual capital uh, among our citizens and allies. It's going to be this massive database of top black professionals, business owners, and community leaders, right, that they will be able to access the intellectual capital. Uh, there will be access to the, the products and services that black people sell around the world, right, in, mm-hmm. in the entire Pan-African diaspora. When you look at the, 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 the businesses that we own and, 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 and we're not supporting like we should support, so this will help the connectivity of that. And it's going to provide 
this kind of a database than virtual meetings and virtual conferences and virtual uh, uh, um, uh, summits uh, and virtual workshops, right? Because virtual ain't going away. That's, now why, that's why I love it. That's, what, that's why I just said, yeah. because a lot of people that's don't right. understand that, is that you can't look at it as being naked and being negative because it's a brick and mortar. And the goals of FraserNet are simple. Help black people build wealth that can be transferred into generational wealth opportunity right. for the future. Help black people become the number one employer of black people in the 21st century to facilitate right. building a global network of Africans throughout the diaspora whose focus right. is personal and business excellent and using it to build partnerships, joint ventures, and strategic alliances. That's very key yeah, right and there. Now, Networking. Right, and now the whole virtual thing has been normalized. Yes. Right? It's yes. been normalized. That's why it's I love it, George. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited. I'm, I'm, I am so excited for your brand because, you know, we stumbled upon, because of the COVID-19, the real purpose. Because, you know, not that we didn't right. know. We didn't know. You know, we were just doing what everybody do. You know, IBM mm-hmm. does it. All the big corporations do these brick and mortar. But you had to be trained and the pandemic trained people to look at TV, to Zoom, Instagram Live, Facebook Live. So everybody's kind of like there now. And so now... Cool. Your brand becomes what it's supposed to be—a global brand, George. It's a global brand. There you go. Brand. There you go. There you go. There you go. No, no question about it. And with brothers like you promoting it, I'm telling you, this is very important. What you're doing, what you're saying, your reach, your credibility, right? Thank um, you. The way people trust you. I mean, this is this is this is this is the gold standard for how we get this out and used by our people. We've got to have people like you talking about it. And heck, you you talk about it better than I do. (laughs) I mean, you know why? Because you see it. You see it. You see it. You're a visionary. You see it. You know what the possibilities are. You know that we have to do this. We don't have any choice. That's why I'm so excited. I'm I'm so excited. Yeah. What we have to do is create the instruments, the vessels, and the tools for us to do it, and then move it through uh, uh, our our marketing and advertising, radio, television, social media system that is so targeted and so effectively utilized by black people. Mm -hmm. And it will happen. It will work. There's no question about it. You know, it's really really interesting because, you know, sometimes, you, you know, in, in God, that's all this is about God and looking mm-hmm. at his vision and then building on it. Because first it was in July, brick and mortar, right? Brick and mortar. Because we right. talked about it a year in advance. We said, I'm coming right. to Houston. I said, you know, in Houston, I got to be there for you, Joy. COVID hit in March. Then we moved it to October 14th through the 17th. Still in Houston right. at the Hilton Americas. Okay, right. now, okay, we are virtual October 26th through the 28th. That means that we went from a Houston event to a global event. I want everybody to understand that. That means that you can be in Africa. You can be in England. You can be in France. You can be in Mexico. You can be in Canada. And now you can participate in this conference. That's right. And that right, that, that's right. That right that's is right. so important that we tell everybody this. I want you to take off your little narrow hats about how can I participate? 
you don't have to get on a plane. This has been conceptualized to be very network friendly for all the things that he's always talking about. Meet millionaires, potential partners, investors and build your network. Workshop speaks all these things. Registration, student registration, all VIP registration, ultra VIP registration, all these things. Seminars, all these things are available now virtually. That's amazing to me. That's some, you know, you know, I'm fired up. I'm going to tell you something because this Wednesday, this Wednesday, I got three Wednesdays, 90,000. I'm promoting every Wednesday, every two weeks, I'm promoting this. You better sign up. You better sign up. Better sign up because we want to get that number over 10,000. That's right. I mean, just think about that. I mean, when's the last time 10,000 black people from all over the diaspora were able to come together around a common vision? Right. With instruction, motivation, some of the best and baddest speakers and preachers on the planet. Uh, the Reverend, uh, Reverend uh, Freddie Haynes closes mm-hmm. our talk every year. Jamal Bryant opens the talk every year. And, and I mean, we can just voice Watkins will be it will be there. Uh, the doctor, I just finished um, recording the interview with Dr. Julius Garvey, the son of Marcus Garvey. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, an incredible interview that I did with him. So we, we can go down the list. It, it, it is just incredible. If you want to know more about the Virtual Power Networking Conference, just go to uh, uh, www.powernetworkingconference.com, www.powernetworkingconference.com. If, uh, if in fact, you, you can't find a link or something, just email me. Mm-hmm. Just email me very simply at gfraser, F-R-A-S as in Sam, E-R, at frasernet.com, gfraser at frasernet.com. And I'll make sure you get everything you need to know uh, to, in fact, That's get uh, Dr. George C. Frazier. He's a renowned mm-hmm. networking guru, chairman and CEO. You're not emailing just anybody. Not an assistant. Dr. George C. Frazier, that's who you internet, renowned networking guru, chairman and CEO of FraserNet, a company he founded over 32 years ago to lead global networking and economic development movement for people of African descent. That's FraserNet, a belief that we should be in the game, not as buyers, but as sellers, people, yes. product, put your name on something, become an entrepreneur, telling you how you can become an entrepreneur. Putting a plan in place so you can win, not only just short term, long term, because that's what this is all about. Because everybody go out there, they want to do something, they don't have a plan in place. That's short term success. We're trying to create long term success at FraserNet. That's why it's virtual. That's why it's October 26th through the 28th. That's why he's always on my show. It's one I, I feel blessed that I'm able to bring somebody of his caliber on my show. He always be hyping me up. I be hyped because he's one of the few people I just I just let him talk. I just interrupt periodically, just drop some dives, remind everybody how gifted it is to even hear him talk like this. I put three of his life-changing quotes on my Monday motivation with his picture. It was the highest like post of the year on my Monday motivation. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I told you I was going to do that. Remember, I told you, I said, I am going to promote you. I'm going. It was the most like post. It was incredible. Incredible. Because your beliefs and your values mean something to people. What I like to always say is that that's why I'm excited about the virtual uh, event, FraserNet this year, because you're just a hidden gem. Your network's not saying that you're not unknown. I don't want to insult like that. But this virtual platform allows more people to participate and just like I said earlier about the HBCU week we did with ESPN Disney and 
3,500 students attended live last year. Wow. 6,125 pre-registered virtually. 4,823 came to the virtual experience. People are ready wow. for the change. You are going they to are. have an incredible experience, Mr. Frazier. Such a well, blessing. Such a blessing, brother. Such a blessing. Well, God bless you, Rashawn. God bless you. And, and God bless all that you mean to us and, and, and your servant leadership, because you are a servant. I mean, you just are incredible in how you manage that and how you focus on that, emphasize that. It's all in your voice and in your spirit. And so I'm going to close with giving the brothers and sisters out here a little tip on, on how to build your passive income, okay. how to build your passive because it should not be a black person in America with a single stream of income, mm -hmm. right? Like all of us should have multiple streams of income, so we call it passive income. So take your nine to five income. If you, if you got a job, 97% of us have a job. Take your nine to five income and use that to fuel your side hustle. Okay, whatever that may be, sell something. That's your side hustle. Then use your side hustle to fuel the money you get from that, to fuel your investments, because you're going to get extra money and you're going to invest that money. I don't care if it's cryptocurrency, stocks, bonds, whatever it is, whatever floats your boat, invest your side hustle money. And then take your investments, and over time, your investments will replace you're nine to five. That's the goal. That's the goal. That's the goal. That's right. I want to appreciate you. Again, uh, my newsletter goes out this Wednesday. You will have a banner in there. I got two more Wednesdays before October 26th through the 28th. That's the virtual Net conference. Originally was held in Houston. Now it's held for the world to participate. I love saying that. It's now being held for the world to be a participant. You gave me a new line. Virtual. You gave me a new line, Richard. You gave me a new line. Like I said, a new it's, line. A, it's, a, it's a blessing, that. Dr. C. It's a blessing. Come on now. But again, yeah, thank right. you for coming on the show. And I, I, I got to do my job now. Okay? See, see, you always give me instructions, but you don't even know it. See, when you come on my <laughs> show, Dr. Frazier, you put me to work in a positive manner because I said, okay, right. I can, right. I said, okay, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, you're the Pope of entrepreneurship to me. You're the Pope now. You The Pope that came to town. He didn't bless everybody with information. Now, guess what? We got to get busy and spread the word. So that my mission right now is to spread the word of Frazier Net coming October 26th through the 20th. You be, you be, no, it's 20, 20, 28, 28 through the 30th. 28 through the 30th. October 28 through the 30th. October 28 through the 30th. Well, I, mm -hmm. I apologize. I've been trading that out. I've said that a couple of times wrong. October 28 through the 30th. October 28 through the 30th is the date that we're going to do FraserNet Virtual Worldwide. My friend, we talk soon, okay? Love you. Love you Keep too. doing God's work. Bye -bye. Thank you. Mm -hmm. If you want to hear more Money Making Conversations, please go to moneymakingconversations.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I'm your host.